Hey, what's up, folks? This episode of the podcast is going to be brought to you by my good friend, Dean Hunter. Uh, he's been doing this kind of uh, car detail shop out of his garage for the last year plus here. Uh, he does an incredible job. He just did my wife's Acadia, like, inside out. He does all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, does motorcycles, Jeep, anything you can think of. Um, but... The, the interior of my wife's car has never looked better than when it was new. Uh, you can follow him at D-L-U-X underscore D-T-A-I-L. Um, that's Deluxe Detail. It's D-L-U-X underscore D-T-A-I-L. Uh, his name's Dean. He's out of Shanahan, Illinois. But incredible job with the weather warming up. You're probably going to want the, the whip looking nice. Uh, and then also my buddy Ian McPartland, the uh, State Farm agent extraordinaire, ianismyagent.com. You can go visit him at his office. He's trying to push some people to come get some quotes, and then he'll hook you up with a little gift card to get yourself some craft beer over at uh, Crafted1979. Uh, he'll give you a $10 gift card just for getting a quote if you're not a State Farm agent. So don't hesitate. Give him a call or look him up on ianismyagent.com. He does everything, auto and home and business insurance, and he's just a really cool guy who likes beer anyway. So might as well have a conversation conversation with him if you need some insurances and have him look at maybe your old policy and uh whoever you're with i bet he can save you some money too uh this was an awesome episode with with clint over at at misbehaving meads uh, i guess before i get into that just let's do the normal stuff go to itunes leave reviews if you can it's always super helpful for the podcast right now i have shirts for sale uh, i posted it on my my instagram my facebook my personal facebook there's an order link you can just go follow the order link that's posted there it's in the bot it's in my uh bio or my website thing a profile on instagram too so go there and you can get uh, there's a purple shirt a turquoise shirt and then there's a uh, nice blue hoodie that uh, everybody seems to find to be very soft and awesome. The t-shirts are tri-blend. They're, they're badass shirts. So they're pretty cheap, like 15, 16 bucks. Uh, I don't make any money on those. Those are just, you know, you're paying straight up. I, I don't get any profit off of those. Just kind of like you guys to be walking billboards for the podcast. So, and, and, the, and the shirts are cool. You know, as beer nerds, we like our, our swag. Uh, yeah, so anyways, back to this. My first Mead podcast. I was so thrilled about doing this. I, I've gotten to know Clint a little bit here and there from festivals and all kinds of different, you know, running into each other. And I finally started to get into some meads, uh, trying them out, everything from, you know, superstition to pips and shrams. And misbehaving has really stuck out to me. And the more I talked to Clint, the more I, I came to the conclusion that instead of being intimidated by doing a mead podcast, I should utilize somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about and learn a little bit about mead. So I got to sit down in Valparaiso, Indiana with Clint and just talk about mead and how awesome his mead is and what's coming up with them and uh, all kinds of exciting news and then he took me to ricochet tacos which was phenomenal uh, right down the street from in the awesome little downtown valpo area so here you are here comes my guy clint for misbehaving meads all right we're actually live now we, we wasted all the good conversation already. Yeah. So just shame. be prepared to be bored for the rest of this whole thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm finally in Valparaiso, Indiana, checking out my first meadery. So uh, thank you for being my first meadery, Clint. I'll be gentle. All right. Tell, tell the people who you are and what, you, what, what you're running here. I think I may have mentioned it, but go ahead. Sure. Um, I'm Clint Wadsworth, and I am the uh, brewer of Misbehaving Meads in Valparaiso, Indiana. I'm also one of the owners. And uh, we specialize in mead, which is a wine made with honey instead of grapes. Um, of course, we also use grapes, too. And then we make a lot of really great ciders. Uh, yeah. We, we were just having a great conversation about the cider, the cider game that he's been, he's been just 
crushing some of these awesome ciders lately. But uh, um, I'm trying two that are on tap right now. I haven't seen any of these in bottles, but these are uh, what? The one was like a double dry hop with lactose, but it was a cider, right? Yes. Yeah. You're Which, nuts, right? You're nuts. You're just down there playing experimentation. Oh, yeah. And what's cool about that one is um, first I have to give a shout out to uh, Burnham Brewing over in Michigan City who uh, we worked with them on that. And also to Howe Farms, which is a local hop farm. And then Bonaterra Orchard, which is a local orchard. So this is a super Damn. local product. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Everything's, with the exception of the milk sugar mm-hmm. slash lactose. Sugar. Yeah. I love that. I've been having that conversation a lot with people. Yeah, it's not politically which correct. Which one sounds weirder, lactose or milk sugar? I don't know. The, that's not local, but everything else was local. The hops are local, and then the, the apples are local, so it's a super a super local product, which is nice, and it's awesome. Yeah, Michigan apples are, you know, they're as good as they get, right? I mean, it's well, not like you're hurting your product. This is literally from local, Valpo. You know? Oh, that was a, that's hyper yeah. local. That's yeah. what you're going with. All right. Yeah, it, they're, they're, that orchard is about three miles away from here. God damn. That's yep. pretty cool. And we're the only um, client for them at this point. Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's pretty committed to us, I think. And he's been adding apples and uh, a lot of really cool um, cider apples. So we're excited what's going to be coming up with them here in the future. You know, the big, the big thing that the big reason I'm here is because, and I was telling you this before we started going, but, and I tell a lot of people this, they're like, why don't you do like a mead? You know, mead's real big and you should do an episode with somebody in mead. And I've had a couple of people I've talked to before, but never, just never wanted to pull the trigger on doing an, an episode. But then I started to drink your meads regularly. Iron and Glass started getting them in Romeoville. Then uh, where I'm at, at Crafted started to get them a little after that mm-hmm. and they're just knock my socks off, like especially the baseball bat stuff. I mean, that's obviously that one always blows somebody's mind when they taste a, like a sandwich that was turned into liquid somehow. For sure. Um, so I thought, what better way? Finally, I came to the right conclusion. Like, why why not just pick your brain for a couple hours and then maybe I'll learn a little bit about mead and then I won't be so intimidated by it. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm happy to share what I've uh, learned with you. Um, except for all the proprietorial secrets which I've been warned about by our corporate lawyers not to divulge. Uh, you know what? I thought we got that contract settled. I thought we were <laughs> I thought it. you were I thought you were divulging all the secrets. I'm secretly starting a meadery right now in my house. And it seems no. like everyone is actually. It's going down. People are, I think people like the idea. I think that there's a conception uh, uh, of it from people that are like maybe that it, they think it's easier than brewing beer. Is that true? Do you hear that? Um, I think so. Uh, it, it's pretty crazy. We've had people come in here. Um, this was not that long ago. I had a guy come in and was like, I'm oh, first time trying your mead. And he's like, how do you, how do you do this? And, uh, I'm about to start my own mead. And so, you know, I answer a couple of questions and then he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm opening a meadery. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's different. <laughs> like, okay, good yeah. luck with that, bud. Um, I, I think it's just different. It's the same amount of work, I think, as brewing, but the pacing of it's a lot different, I think. That was the first thing I asked you when I walked in this morning. I was like, do you call it brewing or do you call it, what are you, is there I a different name for it or is it, oh, just we brew it, you brew it. Uh, yeah, I consider myself to be a brewer. Um, I think that if you ask other people who make mead, they'll say different things. Um, but my connection to this is really, uh, I'm a, and you know this already. I'm a beer geek. You are. You don't mess around. <laughs> no, don't I don't. You just make deliveries. You also take from the store and bring <laughs> well, home with you. Yeah. Well, you know, we call it research, but, you know, um, I have to wet my whistle, too. But, um, and, and I'm also connected to a lot of breweries as well. 
Um, and I, they're my friends and been involved in that. So, you know, I feel more connected to that than say winemaking. Um, you know, it, and I've had some good relationships and discussions with those folks, but when I really think about myself, I, I think about the guy who was hanging out at dark Lord day, you know, 10 years ago, <laughs> blacked out. <laughs> I'm going to my first one and I'm like nervous because oh. all the stories that people have t- told in the past are like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta take it easy. You gotta really like pace yeah. yourself. You'll have fun. Oh, it was the anniversary party there. That was trouble for me. Um, but in my defense, I'd been sick for about a week beforehand and I still was on, uh, actually uh, cold medicine the morning of, and don't start off the day with a barley wine tasting when oh, you're on geez. cold medicine. You've been drinking for a week. A nice barley wine tasting. Oh. That never hurt anyone. No. Barley wine is indeed life. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was fun. But you'll have fun at Dark Lord Day. I'm going to try to. It's going to be an early day. Maybe a 5 a.m. breakfast and then um, get, get myself ready for that. the nonsense. So that's why I call myself a brewer. You know, I think of myself in those terms. And... Um, I still, I would love to brew beer again, but I'm so tied up with this that yeah, you're busy. Good, yeah, <laughs> I'm very busy. It's, uh, I mean, I recommend getting into mead if if you want to work twice as hard and make half as much money. <laughs> yeah. Not for long. The mead game has been picking up, right? I mean, I think so. There's so many out there, and you know, you get some of the bigger brands that are building their names, and just like beer, everybody that they, they, you know, you might start on those brands, you might, you know see the first ones maybe like superstition or something you know these breweries that are or meteries that are around the country now and being distributed out this way but then kind of like beer you go back you start to go hyper local focus and now obviously trying some of your guys stuff it's just uh, it's put me into the direction of like okay i think i might be a mead guy now because it always used to be "Ah, i'm not really into mead yeah really into that you know well, and I think part of it is that mead is, uh, I've always thought about like the trajectory of being a beer geek, you know, and how you initially taste things and what you find appealing and then what you move on to. And, you know, there's certain points where you get into sours during the double, you know, double dry, uh, double uh, IPAs. Mm-hmm. You do your barrel aged stouts. IBUs. You're looking for IBUs. Oh, for yeah. Initially. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, at the end, you know, you're just, I want the best lager possible. How but, crisp can you make my beer? Exactly. <laughs> and I think mead fits in there. Um, I think right now it's kind of an early stage where people are looking at more of an extreme experience. Uh, right now it's about jamming as much berry flavor as you can into a beverage. Um, but you know, there's a, it's a very flexible medium and you can do a whole lot with it. If you give berries and honey to four, five different mead makers, you're gonna get five different completely tasting things. Just interpreting what it is, you know, is always in the, the, the hands of that brewer. Uh, the way I I was looking at it, like, I I think I fall on that part of the spectrum that you just described of like, I think the thing that drew me in was those extremes Mm -hmm. was that. Uh, just tasting something that made me go, okay, how, how is there bread flavor in this, in yeah. this peanut butter and jelly, you know, take, uh, I think it was the mixed berry version of baseball bat was yeah. my first experience with yours. And I was awesome. Whoa. Yeah. It was kind of that thing. Where That's a, actually a frequent question. Um, how do you get that flavor of bread in there? And my answer is we put about the equivalent of one loaf in each bottle. That's not true. It's That's not, not at all. true. <laughs> I think it's a combination of the honey and the yeast that we use Um, with the champagne yeast with that. A characteristic of that is a toasty or bready sort of note. And then when you put the honey in and it gives you a honey wheat sort of flavor, I think. And I I think that's kind of a key with what 
our peanut butter jelly meat is like. Yeah, and now uh, I've noticed with uh, my experience of seeing it at, you know, it's at these specialized beer shops, you know, so these got you're, you're getting into these small bottle shops or slashies and stuff, mm-hmm. and they're selling it, and I've, I found that, you know, you get that question a lot from the consumer saying, you know, what is that? What What's a mead? You know, yeah. it, it's even that base now. It's like, you know, some people understand when they're like, oh, that's like a wine, you know. Yeah. But it's not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as like any run of the mill wine that, you know, a common person would equate the two. They're different things big time once you taste them. Yeah. You're not going to have that with your, uh, your, you know, chicken piccata dinner. Um, <laughs> but you can make a mead that will work with it. It's just, that's not really what's popular, what's driving the market right now. Yeah. For me, uh, you get that question and instantly like there, you have to like as a, as a frontline person at one of these places mm-hmm. or a salesperson at one of these places or a beer tender as a lot of them are called now you have a, to have some sort of a canned answer when you hear that question and yeah. usually for me it's like I have to tell them well it's a honeyed wine basically and I don't even know if that's correct I just it just sounds right and then you see honey wine on the label of some of these you know yeah I think that's it's a tricky um, answer and I think it sets a lot of expectations for what you say that and as far as <clears throat> what they're going to be thinking once they put that drink into their mouth. Uh, we always describe it as a wine that's made with honey instead of grapes. But we also try to explain to them it doesn't mean you're just drinking straight honey. Uh, a lot of people come in thinking they're going to drink honey. And no, we're not that cruel. Um, if you have a cold, I would recommend maybe a tablespoon of buckwheat blossom. That'd be great. But, you know, we're, we're fermenting this. So uh, it's turning into carbon dioxide and turning into alcohol. So it shouldn't be cloyingly sweet. It shouldn't taste like honey. Right. It's it, the, the way that the fruit plays in there is, is the, the key. I mean, like you said, the big flavors. I know there's other meads out there that aren't utilized. You know, it's not not all of them mean they're fruity or, yeah. you know, these big extreme flavors. But it's something that I think really starts to bring people under the tent. Because I was just always mm-hmm. confused. Like, it's just like, uh, you know, you're using honey instead of, when the way you said it is grapes. I'm thinking like honey instead of sugar, you know, I guess. Yeah. Well, honey is a sugar, right. and yeast doesn't care. It's non-discriminatory. It's going to eat whatever sugar you put in front of it. Um, and so that's one of the funny things about the designations about what's a beer versus a wine versus a cider versus a mead. You know, if you're looking at it from the yeast perspective, it doesn't care. As long as it's getting a meal, it's, it's going to eat, and then it's going to basically burp carbon dioxide and pee alcohol and that's what it's going to do yeah that sounds like a party that's how we explain that's it to what kids i want to drink yeah yeah the kids always they'll always remember and like hey you're almost a brewer you can find that in the book section next to everybody poops <laughs> yes that's a, uh, a guide to children making mead yeah but you know it, it's funny is in reference to these super jammy meads and stuff like that i mean we're kind of late to the game in that that's not really how we uh, approach everything, really. It's always been about balance, more semi-sweet, and, you know, just kind of getting a super balanced drink in your in your mouth. We did start a, a sweeter series, and it's been extremely um, popular, and that's why we started it, because we knew that there's a market for it. Same old jam? Same is old that, jam, yes. that's it, yeah. So with that, what we're doing is uh, just pressing, we're just pressing the fruit, and then we're just using the fruit uh, juice as if it were water. So we add the honey in then, and we ferment it out. We have pretty extreme amounts of sugar that's available. And generally, it will stall out in primary. And what you get is a sweeter sort of wine with just a ton of flavor. 
So, I mean, I feel like you kind of glossed over that process a little bit. Yeah. You you kind of d- boiled it down for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, so when you're talking about pressing fruit, can you get get a little bit deeper into like how much fruit are we talking about? Like, where <laughs> are we, these fruits sourced from? Like, sure. Uh, sure. you know, the the size and just the scale of it, and and the fact that you're pressing them yourselves, right? I mean, there's yeah. not like you're getting pre-pressed fruit. No, we're not using concentrates with that. We're um, we're actually getting all the fruit ourselves and running through a press. There's different sources for it. Um, we get a lot from Michigan, and we prefer to freeze it, and then we thaw it out. We freeze it because it helps break down the cellular material, and it becomes a little bit, it, it yields up its its sweet juice easier when we run it through a press. Uh, the amounts we're talking about, 1,000 pounds and upward. <laughs> you just can't even fathom the... You know, it depends on the type of fruit. You get different yields. Um, we found with, like, raspberries and those tend to really give up their juice very easily. Um, whereas strawberries were a real pain in the butt, uh, basically made a puree that looked like, you know, hamburger coming out of a meat press. Oh, wow. Uh, it did give a lot of juice, but pretty quickly it started turning into a puree. Uh And that's actually how the strawberry cider comes. We use that puree then for the cider. So there was not any juice used or actual Strawberries per se was just the byproduct of the pressing for the strawberry and white chocolate that we have coming up. Oh yeah, that's that's going to be fun. So I mean, how far along is this one? Because you did put, grab a sample for me. So like, how far along is the the with it's white just, chocolate and strawberry? It's so right? close. Um, in fact, we could have come out with it two weeks ago. Uh, all we need to do is run a slight little filter through it. We still have some particulates of white chocolate floating in there. But it's pretty clear. It tastes really good. Um, I, I'm really happy with it. Uh, is this the color you're shooting for? That is the That'll color. That'll be the color you'll see in the bottle. Yeah. So that's a that's just uh, strawberry juice um, that we used and honey and then the white chocolate. And we have some vanilla beans in there too. You always have to have vanilla beans. Yeah. Because why not? They're cheap, man. You might as well have some. <laughs> well, you know, when we're going to sell stuff for... X amount of do- dollars per bottle. Either people buy it or they don't, you know, and that's just kind of where we are on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the market will decide if there's, if, if we should make these or not. Um, so, you know, this will be selling, I assume for like 19, $20 on the shelf for a three seventy five. For a three seventy five, And it'll, it'll be fall into the same old jam uh, yep. curtain. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of same bottle and that it's like the picnic kind of uh, blanket type. Yeah. Deal. If yeah. you go down your, condiment aisle you will recognize uh something that we're, we're kind of n- tipping our hat to uh <laughs> that copying brand. just tipping, tipping yeah it's different tipping the cap yeah just right. uh hello, hello my lady some respect <laughs> yes. respect to you but um the idea for that was just uh getting as much jammy flavors into a bottle as possible and it seemed like well let's not use water uh, and that's been a popular trend among home home brewers in mead and they definitely are, there's some innovation coming out of that area. So, you know, we try it. We can do it at a commercial level. I know you're explaining that, like, and it's fairly a clear idea. But, but I mean, really, like, I want you to just impart on people that might be listening to it. Like, you're literally not using water. No, there's no water at just all. Just It juice. becomes like the terroir of the fruit itself, I think, to actually appropriate a wine term, which I'm not inclined to do normally, but that it just sounds right. Some of you. <laughs> yes. But, um, yes, yeah, so we're not using any water at all. So normally when we're doing other ones, we kind of look at what is the batch amount 
at, you look at how much honey you want to have in there uh, for alcohol. And your inclination would be then just to make up the difference in terms of amount in water. And then I would throw the additional fruit on top of it. So, in, and the fruit itself would act more to water down the alcohol and then add just a minimal amount of sugar. So it becomes part of the water bill as opposed to the sugar bill, um, to think of it that way. But with this, you don't have any sort of water at all. You're just squeezing that and it does add some sugar. Uh, so, and that just becomes extra alcohol, extra sweetness. Could you make these, could you make these at a good quality with cutting with water? Oh what yeah. would it be? Absolutely. So you're just insane basically. When you had die, die, my darling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was more of a traditional sort of approach. Quite that wasn't tasty. all juice. Yeah. It was just uh, a lot of water in there, but it was a lot of fruit and, and honey. Um, so yeah, you, you definitely can. It just depends on the technique. And there you're going not as sweet. Uh, the, the, the residual sweetness is a lot lower, um, but you're, you're just jamming a lot of flavor in there and getting a more nuanced sort of balanced drink. I, I personally, I think Dai Dai, my darling, was my favorite thing I made last year. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, and you're talking just standard Dai Dai, my darling, no uh, variations to it versus... Correct. Like, that was that, what you brought to Wakefest? That's yeah. something that was kind of a variant of Dai Dai, my darling, with coffee? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And just, uh, I assume oh, no one knows what Dai Dai, my darling, is. And we spell it D-Y-E, D-Y-E, just mm-hmm. so you know. Um, it's a red currant, raspberry, tart cherry mead. And that's, that's it. We use water in that and honey. And uh, I think the residual sweetness was pretty approachable. I think it was a semi-sweet. A lot of flavor. I just thought it was great. But what we brought to Wakefest was a coffee variant of it. Um, so we used uh, a coffee, and I, it's a single-origin Ethiopian from a local roaster here in town. Uh, they do some good stuff. Here's a plug for Dagger Mountain. I was going to say, well, how can we, can we get Dagger Mountain some love, huh? Yeah, I love those guys. They do some good stuff. and They're Valpo guys here? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, they're great. And gals, guys and gals. Whoever. Guys and gals, yeah. And they're not too far away from here, and... Um, Dan over there is just doing a great job and and he's just so into coffee and if you ever really want to know about coffee go over there and, and do a cupping and then you'll learn about what coffee. What is a cupping? Well, a cupping is like a controlled experience where you experience the coffee that's just in its different manifestations. Um so they I don't I'm not going to give it justice but they <laughs> They, they do the ground coffee, they add the water, and then you sip it at various points. Okay. And you sip it in a certain way. Watch it evolve a little oh, bit. Oh, and it does. It's shocking. <laughs> oh, and it does. You do three or four, and you'll be shocked by the difference between them as you sip, and then you'll be shocked by the evolution that occurs. And a lot of the stuff that about tasting, uh, which I thought, you know, I've been drinking a lot and I've done a lot of tastings, I learned a lot from him and stuff that I still apply. So, you know. Uh, I can't say enough good stuff about Dan and, and Dagger Mountain. The coffee they use, I think it's it's Ethiopian, so it's Tadalich. And it's uh, it, it's characteristics. He roasted it specifically for us to to fold into Diet My Darling, which is awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I wonder, how did he approach that? Did he say, oh, Ethiopian, it's going to have a little more fruity characteristics, mm-hmm. so yeah. that'll play well with the raspberry? Okay. Absolutely. Um, and... We did it as a cold brew so we could avoid, you know, a lot of those super acidic uh, characteristics you get yeah, for those yeah. Ethiopians. Okay. Um, 
And so how do you impart that? So you actually physically brew the coffee as when when it's added. It's not just like beans imparting the flavor or coarse grounds or. You can do it that way, and there's a number of ways we've done it. What we're doing right now to divulge a secret. Oh no! Take take it easy now. <laughs> yes, um, we actually treat the the once again. This is a theme. We're treating the, the the meat itself as if it were the water. So we're actually brewing a cold brew with the with the mead. Oh, oh. and then we fold it right back in. That's genius. I don't you know say that fold it, is. it right back in. I'm like folding, thinking, thinking like baking, like you know. It's funny we think of ourselves as cooks yeah. or bakers. Yeah, yeah. So you just put it right back in, and and we we kind of do some bench trials to get the right ratio, um, and then based on that, you know, what you get is, um, you know, we we have some formulas, we have some ideas about how it's going to look when we come out, and sometimes you tweak it a little bit this way or that way. Just I think this one turned out pretty good because you are you have this in front of you. It's the barrel-aged version of Die, Die, My Darling with Coffee, which we called Kill Room. Okay. And uh, I think this turned out pretty awesome. I haven't had it in a while. These freak me out every time. So so the first my first experience with a fruited, you know, fruity uh, type of mead that used coffee was, uh, I think, uh, we have a regular at the shop that she brings in stuff from New Day. Yep. And uh, it was the Magpie, was it Magpie Breakfast? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, I think that's their, uh, yeah, it's Magpie. Or it, is it? Something like that. Breakfast Magpie. Breakfast Magpie. Yeah. And I smell it, and I smell black coffee, and I look at it, and I see raspberry-esque colors. Yeah. And then I drink it, and I taste fruit. And yeah. just a little coffee to it. Uh, yours is a little more coffee flavor to it alongside the fruit, is from what I can tell. And a little more body to it maybe too. But it's, it's, it weirds me out because you're seeing one thing, tasting something else. You're smelling one thing, tasting something else. And yeah, I think this turned out pretty good. It's got a nice deep, dark color to it too. Oh, yeah. It goes, it's got a black coffeeness to it. And definitely get that... Get that uh, what do you call it? like that, that that non-acidic description that you gave? Because I'm a big cold brew guy myself. You know, okay. I mostly drink cold brew. I, you know, yeah. I drink hot coffees too. Uh, actually, Indiana coffee, the Lowell, Lowell uh, Smugglers. Uh, Dave over at Smugglers, he makes great. He roasts a good bean. Nice. I haven't had theirs. I've had uh, a Steam Whistle over in Crown Point, and they're good people. And then, of course, uh, Dagger Dan, who uh, actually cans his cold brew too. Oh, let me. How do I get that guy's number? I need. I need cold brew cans. If you're familiar that. with um, Windmill Brewing, oh yeah, do they? Uh, they do actually they have can. It? Oh, okay. So that's the same. But you remember they used to have the girls that roasted out of there, and I think they moved on to something else. But okay. So now they got. The, so I know they're open at like five a.m. now over at Windmill or some some ungodly early hour now because they're doing coffee. Yeah. I didn't realize they were canning coffee for people. I like that. Yeah, I, I don't know how that works, but. Um, yeah, it makes sense, and I guess it's working for them. I guess Dan's maybe been exploring getting a canning line, uh, which you know I, I wish him luck with that. Those things aren't aren't cheap. Oh, jeez, it's crazy. Yeah, it's but, wild to see some of the prices on those things. Yeah, and we're starting to see canning lines pop up at breweries uh, here in Northwest Indiana. So it's it's interesting, and it's something. I, I mean, I love the can of um, mead. That'd I be think interesting. Yeah. Cider is probably the thing I'd yeah. be more interesting to do. Oh, that would be great. If people could get six packs of that strawberry in like 12 ounce or four packs and 16 ounce cans of that strawberry one, it would be gold. I think so. But, you know, we're looking at um, kind of... Uh, we Don't keep you have a space for it down there? I mean, you can... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, the space. There's no space down there at all. Um, there's almost no space to even cough, you know, because that <laughs> involves your diaphragm expanding and yeah, contracting. And then so. it's over. Yeah. yeah. Well, one time we were so um, packed down there, I, I tripped fell down and I didn't hit the ground. Yeah. I just got wedged in between some drums. I'm stuck in between the drums. If somebody can come help me, I can't get back And actually, uh, that's what happened. Someone, they came down to help me get out. He can't move. He's wedged. So before, you know, we're we're talking as if they're standing here with us, but but before I walked in, or right when I walked in, we kind of took a little tour uh, of, you know, when you walk in from the street, it's, it's the tasting room. You know, and it looks like a tasting room. There's bar stools and tables and stuff to taste. And then you go downstairs and there's a nice little staircase down to this, what would you call it? I mean, basement, dungeon, uh, short. It's yeah. like almost like a, the hobbit size heights, you know, but a little taller. <laughs> and I'm like Gandalf like, down there. Yes, you are. You do. You have a very Gandalfian <laughs> feel to you down there. Yes. Well, you know, it's because I'm the wizard. Yes, um, I believe that. We always call it the cellar because that sounds fancy. It does. It looks like a cellar too, though. Man, yeah, I'll give is. you that. Um, so, but saying, there's stuff down there. Oh yeah, and it's all necessary. It's not like there's just junk down there. It's like you're just making the use out of the best, the best way you can yeah. with the stuff that you need to make this stuff happen. Well, when we were looking at spaces, we did start initially looking at you know places that you would expect to find a brewery. You know. Um, the, the kind of light industrial sort of uh, strips. And this space became available, which is, uh, you know, it's right across the street from the courthouse in downtown Valpo. Uh, it's the county seat. It's, it's a really nice, picturesque sort of uh, downtown. You really can't beat the location I mean, when it comes to, you know, what you would think for a business. Yeah. Um, and it's busy here, you know. It's, uh, it's an actual vibrant downtown um, people come here to shop and, and eat and, uh, we have concerts and stuff. There's so many activities that are always down here. I mean, you know, just two blocks over, you, you can almost see it from here. Uh, there's a big concert shell. So you have a summer concert series, big, lots of festivals and fairs. The beer festival for downtown Valpo is uh, two blocks over and yeah. it's probably about 4,000 people come out. So it's a, not a small festival. Yeah. And it's like just it's Monday at what eleven o'clock or something. It's bustle. I mean, there's cars all over the place. There's people running around. Obviously, yeah. you're not open on Mondays, but I could see on a Wednesday this would be a, a yeah. you know a, a way to bring in people. Man. Yeah. Well, we get you know curiosity yep. seekers. That <laughs> what are, is this place? <laughs> where's the meat? You know, <laughs> I heard you make bacon here. No, uh, no, 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 no. Or Meads. we've had people think uh, beads. You guys are selling beads here. Um, but no, uh, there's a lot of knowledge, I think, about what we're doing because we've been here for three years. But the, the location we picked because of this, and we're, we live about uh, four blocks away from here. So I, I walked here today. That's nice. Yep. That's really cool. It, it's good and bad. I mean, it's like you're away from work, but you're also yeah. always at work. I can actually see the, like this right building there. from my house. Oh, jeez. So and once I figured that out, I'm like, you know, I'm all in, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say. But uh, the location is great for the tasting room. The flip side was how do we make the production side work? Mm-hmm. Um, we were fortunate in that there was a basement included within this. And it's something that we looked at and like, well, we can make it work. And um, we did. So it's uh, one of my friends has described it as uh, what I do as brewing out of necessity. You're always problem solving yes. and, and figuring out how to make stuff work. And, and I think 
that's really what we've been doing is brewing out of necessity for like uh, three years now. That's <laughs> just the the cooler too was awesome. The the walk in that you built, man, yeah, you had to make. That's the ultimate view of like making what you could out of the space that you had. Oh yeah, it's there's um, there's no wasted. Well, there's a lot of wasted space, but there's no wasted space if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just a real DIY sort of aesthetic here, you know. Um, there was no way actually to install a walk-in cooler, and we needed it. Um, before then, actually, we've only had that functional now for about a year and a half. Oh, before wow. then, we were basically carving each keg individually. Uh, so think about that. I, I don't even want to know. Well, I mean, we were just talking daisy about chaining these kegs and just shoving carbonation and you know there was no way to evaluate really uh how carbonated they mm-hmm. were so mostly like for your meads i mean or mostly for the ciders and then you do have we some doing meads some, too that way sparkle, uh, this is sparkling i feel like i'm saying yeah. wrong words i like sparkling yeah sparkling meads, Fizzies. carbonated meads fizzy you know, fizzy uh, meads yeah i think that's fun um but at that time we weren't doing a distribution so everything was still coming out of our shop um we knew we needed to distribute, so then we got the bright tank and built the cooler, and and now we get a much more predictable result, um, which is good. Oh, so, that's good, yeah. Yeah, and we got a, a Zom and Nagel, so we can, a volumeter, so we can assess exactly how much carbonation we're putting into everything, which is also pretty important. So, you know, it's an evolution based on what, where we're going, and we're, you know, we're just kind of... Uh, we're rolling with the punches a little bit, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, the the fact that you can utilize that space to make the quality of product you guys have been making is really mind-blowing and impressive. I mean... Thank you. It's it's something to be uh, said. Yeah, and that's... It's going to be exciting, um, the upcoming... Uh-oh. Uh, Whenever anybody says upcoming, I'm always like, what are they going to say right now? They got, like, new stuff coming up that nobody knows about yet? This is even it's, better. Is it? Okay. I like uh, that. We signed a lease for a production facility. No way. Yep. Uh, like in Valpo? In, in it's uh, it's outside of Valpo. It's uh, in Lake County here, which is, so it's not too far away, about uh, about a 20-minute drive from me. Oh, wow. That's that's good, though. It's, little, you have some thinking time back and forth if you need to go. <laughs> I never get that. Yeah. Your home and your, uh, your home and your, in your, tap room here basically tasting room are so close to each other you probably never get that like uh no then again when you're delivering you're delivering all over the place i told you i talk to myself every day in the mirror that's a good point so uh, that's that's when i get my thoughts in (laughs) um but this is exciting because we're gonna i think the space is 5,250 square feet and part of that is like a a huge walk-in cooler that i didn't build I did not build, so you didn't have to build it. No, no, oh, that's a so, shame. Um, and then we have loading docks. Um, the big, it's it's not a five and a half foot ceiling. <laughs> that's an exaggeration. You can, you can stand up fully. <laughs> I, well, what, the beautiful thing is, I could actually extend my arms above my head. And you know, our system's going to be pretty big. We'll be able to pump out eight hundred and forty gallons of cider at a time, which is a lot of cider. Whoa! Yeah. Right now we're doing, uh, I think, 120, so basically four barrels at a time, so we're okay. going up quite a bit. Yeah, so you're getting, what, close to that 12-barrel range somewhere yeah, in the ballpark? Yeah, I think it's like 10, 12. 14. Oh, above. My math is terrible. That's it's okay. Terrible. But, um, and that's just for our cider process. I think when we're looking at mead, we're looking probably doing about seven barrels at a time. 
which is you know we'll, we'll just cool. still do small batch stuff too but you, you should but i mean so you get you thinking like you're gonna have like core brands basically like stuff i hate that term core or flagship but you know you're gonna kind of make these certain ones available yeah i mean out mostly and then play with the small stuff it's hard to think about it the sort of terms with us because of the way we've done everything it's like there was a real never step in the same river twice mentality when we started and that's just probably the beer geek in me it's i'm like fun though right exactly I don't know. if i if i make something again and 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 sure enough it's true if you make something again you know you'll have people like eh, i had it before let's yeah. wait till the next thing that's what's going on right now man that's it that's what's happening right now yeah and i get that mentality i mean before i retired and untapped i had five thousand unique check-ins so i get it <laughs> You know, that guy, <laughs> I, I'm a terrible guy, you know, <laughs> but I get the mentality, but you know, um, we are going to continue recurring some of the things and it's not going to be on a regular basis, uh, with the exception of the baseball bat series, which we're just going to write. But you're going to keep tweaking it. Yeah. Keep well, messing with it. Yeah. And what's nice about that is you always can vary the fruit, um, to kind of make it a little different. And of course, a caramel apple cider, which, you know, that's always going to be a, a constant too. And, you know, those are, and then we do a lot of other things that we're going to re revisit. I know that elder one, which is going to make people pleased, uh, that's coming out. That's our elderberry mead. So we're sourcing the ingredients for that right now. And I expect that to come out sometime this year. So that's going to be fun. That's awesome. I've never had it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to all this stuff. Now that I'm like solidified in the mead world now, I'm ready. I'm ready to try some new things. So it'll be cool. It's going to be like a whole new experience for me for most things that are coming. Yeah. Out. If you experience this next year, I mean, we have Big Black, which is probably one of our better known meads. That's a, a mead that's made. It's kind of like the Die Die My Darling, but the darker version. It's done with black currants, uh-huh. blackberries, and black raspberries. So we're doing that. We're going to do a bunch of variants that this year. I think we're going to do Biggest Blackest. So it's going to be like the same old jam version okay. of that. So no water. Uh, we're going to just press okay. everything. And and I think we're going to try to crank the alcohol of that. Maybe hit up in the 19, 20%. Ooh, baby. That sounds like just, a good time. Just, uh, just power through and maybe do some variations on that. So we're kind of going to make Big Black kind of a bigger deal this year. Um, and it may be the last year I make Big Black. Really? You know, or maybe retire it for a bit. This is okay. going to be the fourth year, so we'll have, uh, when we release it that day, we're going to be able to do the flight of all four variants, and then we'll have you know some other ones too. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's, yep. it's, yeah, I'm really liking the, you know, the, it's a whole unexplored area for a lot of people, I think. So may have had a little bit dealing on the fringe of it, and now I think more people are starting to really dive into it, so yeah. me, me included. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying out some of these different things like from you guys from what i can see you all these little pieces of your puzzle the ciders and the, the there's there's different facets to the ciders then there's the meads and you have there's different facets to those meads as well you know yeah. it's it's you can run a spectrum is it like like uh, i can equate it to like the ipa you know people say and oh, I, I i don't care for ipas or yeah. i love ipas We're like well what, I, what kind of ipas are you talking about like there's so many different things you can do within that that little genre. Those mm-hmm. side, like the, just today, you gave me a dry hop cider with lactose, and you know, a double dry hop cider with lactose. Yeah. I've never had anything like that. Never. Well, and I think there's a you can do a lot of different spins on that with a cider. Um, you could look at well, maybe we use an additional fruit, or maybe we change the hop bill on that, or you know, maybe it's sweeter, maybe it's drier. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different things, or maybe stronger. You do like a 
basically an imperial version of that. So there's a lot of different things you can do, and, and this is the stuff that keeps me up at night, trying to think, what is that next thing I'm going to do? So many notes to play with you know, <laughs> in the symphony that is. There uh, is. I think cider is a little bit more constrained within because apple is a much more marked flavor as opposed okay. to um, the mead. I think mead's extremely versatile. I think it's uh, more of a blank canvas upon, upon which you can kind of paint different flavors. Uh, I'd be really curious to see, you know, some of these skilled brewers with beers, see what they could do with mead. Um, so that's kind of an open. I think a lot of them are doing that at home. It's <laughs> like their escape. I know a couple of them at least. That nice. Play with well, their own meads at home. I was going to say, if you want to reach out to me and do a collab, I'd be very interested <laughs> to see. Right? Whenever we do a collab, it's like brag it, brag it, brag it. And it's like, well, that's fun. But um, I'd like to just have a, a brewer come over here and make a mead with me. Or Wait, what's Braggit? What, uh, Braggit is basically, it's like your hybrid between beer uh-huh. and mead. Okay. So it's kind of in the area where you're using a whole lot of honey um, in replacement of malt. Okay. So it, it, it has some beer-like characteristics, but certainly has some mead-like characteristics. And heck, I, I have some here. If you wanted to try it, we could... That's interesting. You know. See, I don't think I've ever actually even heard the term. I probably have heard the term. I probably just didn't register it and, and keep it in my brain. Yeah, I and I, I think braggots were something that, I mean, I'd love to make, and hopefully with this other space, I mean, I was kind of considering the the idea of getting um, a, a small space within there as a brewery, and then be able to do braggots myself, like a little test batch, or like a pilot, yeah, absolutely. system down there. That's yeah, actually a great idea. I think it'd be That's... fun. Uh, when I was doing homebrew, I think some, my braggots were some of the best I'd ever had. You know, to toot my own horn, but um, when you have like the complete control of everything it's going to translate into a better taste and a more integrated taste whereas you know when working with breweries we normally get we get on the dartboard but we don't necessarily hit a bullseye every time yeah yeah but it's there it's drinkable it's good you know yeah. it's, it's a representation of what we did yeah. But yeah well and that's another thing too that you bring up the bragging and, and you know talking about collabing and stuff like you've you've re- in, in the small space in valpo indiana you know mm-hmm. of all places like you've managed to build a reputation to where you're invited to some of the the country's greatest beer festivals you know and yeah and beyond so like i mean did you ever <laughs> think when you started the place, so you had people like, hey, we want to fly you out to Miami to come <laughs> yeah. to this badass beer festival, and you're going to be the mead, you know, and there's like you and trams and pips, you know, like all these different meads yeah. you probably see yourself with. Sure. Um, you know, we started this because we thought at the time um, that we could be the best yeah, and so I'm not going to have false humility here, you know. Hey, I like that. And I, I, still, and I still think we are the best. Um, and there's a lot, and you can make that straight-faced argument, I think. But, you know, and there's a lot of great me going out there. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But, um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I do think that we were going to do that. And that was kind of the goal. With that said, it was a leap of faith for us to open this place. <laughs> I mean, uh, there was nothing like it around here at the time, you know. And uh, so... I think north of Indianapolis, we're the only we were the only meadery at the time, and um, we know they're popping up, and that and that's good. I think it's uh, it's good for us. And then you know, there's a lot happening in Chicago right now, and of course Michigan. I mean, geez, what do you say about the mead scene there? That's yeah, that's a different ball game. It I really mean, is. Like, if you think about Chicago, you think about how really incredible they've been lately in the beer side of things, like. There really isn't a bunch of Chicago meteries that are like, you know, that not I'm yet. hearing about. Well, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, not yet. It's it's bound to happen. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, and I it's remember. exciting to think about what's that going to look like? Because, yeah. like I said, you know, you put the ingredients in front of five different mead makers, you're going to have five different products. Yeah. So, I, I think that uh, the it's it's a pretty exciting time right now to be discovering mead and also to be uh, a meadery that's established for three years. Yeah, you guys have been <laughs> around for a while. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we just had a three year anniversary. Oh, ten days ago. Well. Some people are literally starting meaderies based on maybe having one of your meads. You know, it's <laughs> like happening. Like, it is happening. This, this is inspiring. I think I might want to try this. You know, yeah, it, it is exciting. And um, but you know, uh, did we thought we could have be successful, and, and we're still building that success. So, and we've been doing it, you know, somewhat organically, um, just going along with as things unfold. We say yes. You know, and we just keep on saying yes. And uh, last year was the first year. I think maybe 2017 was the year I said uh, yes to every single thing we were ever asked. If you say, hey, you want to do this? Yes, yes. Want to uh, do we, a podcast? Yes. <laughs> uh, and that's been kind of the mentality. Uh, right now we're actually kind of pulling back from that concept. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It is. It, you know, and we don't want to hurt feelings. But um, by the same token, I mean... We, we can't necessarily do every single thing because we're having to pick and choose at this point and, and trying to do the things that are most effective for us, you know, in terms of our growth and, and trying to, uh, you know, kind of achieve our potential. That's, that's the key right now. I feel like this is a good spot to kind of, to, to hit that, the back dial here. So, so for you, I mean, I'm talking about people may have been inspired by like your meads and then the future of mead looks pretty bright and people are op- trying to open new ones and yeah. it's becoming definitely more popular and it's definitely leaked into the beer community heavily. Uh, but, but where, what inspired you? Like, where did you guys even come up with this? Like what, that, that's yeah. the whole premise of my, my podcast in general. And the reason I ever started it was like, why the hell did you think that you could do this for a living? Or yeah. Like, or, yeah. Well, we didn't know, <laughs> you know, that was the thing. It was, like I said, a big leap of faith that the, the community would catch us, and, and fortunately they did. Um, but going back... Uh, yeah, were you just just a beer guy always, or Well, early, I, I early actually days? started... Yeah. Um, I think we should go back to the debate club that we talked about earlier. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a different that's story. That's where it started. You know? Yeah, that was more about drinking lots of Mountain Dew and uh, <laughs> talking as fast as you can. Um, that was back in the day. But... Uh, in the nineties, you know, started hearing about craft beer and stuff and it wasn't really available. I'm kind of older than you. Kind of, uh, kind of older than me. Huh? Yeah. Just a little bit. But I don't, um, I don't know how old you are. So I know how old I am. I, well, I told I'm you, not gonna guess. I told you this I'm is my gonna, 30 year anniversary gonna, for my high school I'm graduation. Gonna, I'm not going to guess. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 50. So <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Um, still spry as a chicken. <laughs> I feel like it. When I say that people are surprised, but that's just clean living. You know, that's just a lot of mead and of uh, mead. crystal meth. A lot of mead and crystal meth. You <laughs> heard it here, guys. Yeah, that's it. Um, but Stop no, divulging all your secrets. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel like I should because we work so much. But um, going back, uh, so I, I actually did brew in the late 90s, you know, homebrew. And I, I did some, uh, you know, started off as a lot of people do with that Mr. Beer kit. The, uh, <laughs> the Mr. Beer Kid always manages his way way onto this podcast. Does it? Okay. He's had a, he's had a few appearances. On yeah. His. And so I started off with the uh, the the brown plastic barrel, and then from there, you know, I, I had some fun with that, but then started messing around with more brewing, and actually was making wine um, pretty soon after that too. 
my in-laws, who actually do tie into the story, especially my father-in-law, uh, has a little plot of land. He grows a lot of fruit. And so, you know, we were playing with grapes and stuff like that, too. Um, so I, I did brew for a while. Then about 2007, I started, I had actually my first beer tasting at my house. Nice. So we had a bunch of people over there, and that was just debauchery. <laughs> and I think from there, it started, like, just trying beer there's so much coming up and i kind of uh, stepped away from brewing for a while i would say maybe five six years and kind of tried everything in the world you know and always trying and sampling and exploring beer and it was just so much to look at and then finally got to a point where it's like um maybe a little bit burnt out and at the same time my father-in-law uh mentioned that and i can still remember the day it was at my son's first grade musical recital uh that he's going to keep bees his father his father had kept bees he had the old hives these are like antique hives what yes so he's uh in the same plot of land i mean this is like the family land so he's gonna start keeping bees and i said well you're gonna have a lot of honey uh i should make mead so that's literally the moment which the idea started what year was this uh, 2007 8 9 this is now seven years ago whoa 12, half of math 2012. Again, math again. Yeah, yeah, 2012. So I started brewing uh, mead in 2012. And, you know, just my initial batch tasted like plastic vinyl. We, okay, wait, before, Linoleum. before we get to the great taste of your first batch of mead, yeah. when your father-in-law is keeping bees or whatever, you're, yeah. like, you're like, oh, you're going to have honey. Let's, I'm going to do mead. I'm going to make mead. But like, like he was only going to give you the honey. Like how much <laughs> well, honey actually, are these bees making? Like, well, they make a lot. Yeah. See, and that's what they, there's an old saying, people get into the, into beekeeping for the bees and they get out of it because of the honey. They just make so much honey and they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Farmers markets. Ah, that's a that's, <laughs> that's a hard way to make your nut, buddy. It's ten bucks at a time. Make that's, that's your t- nut. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of pretentious of me or presumptuous, I assume. Yes, I'll take the honey. But again, <laughs> like you say, if that's the case, I didn't know that to be the case. I didn't realize they produce so much. Like, yeah, then, they yeah do. it probably was helpful that you were making the meat. Yeah, and I, somewhere to go. And I started actually with honey that I just you know got it the grocery store or something because i was like well can i make mead and so we started playing with that and then the first batch like i said turned out um it tasted like vinyl flooring uh, i still have a bottle of that how often have you tried vinyl flooring <laughs> <laughs> well you, you just extract like where, where are you yeah. getting it from might have been some better ones out there yeah it's, it's uh the luna right there um, you, go. you just smell it and extrapolate flavor yes. based on that. <laughs> so it was not good. But then, you know, I started studying really then at that point and throwing myself into it obsessively, which is the only way I do things. <laughs> yeah. It's either half or completely. hundred percent. There's no in between. So, you know, I really went after it and then, you know, it got to the point where I was comfortable sharing with my friends and family and it was super popular. Um, to the point where, you know, I'd make a batch and I wouldn't really drink it anymore. People are just drinking it. And everyone's saying, hey, you should do something with this. You should do something with this. And it kind of got to the point where I was like, well, yeah, I should do something with this. Like, hmm. Too many people are telling me this. I need, I need <laughs> yeah. to maybe listen. I don't know. Well, and, you know, if you're a brewer, a home brewer at any level, you're always thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if I could have my own brewery? Um, and I, of course, thought that too, but... You know, I'm also 
smart enough to know that it probably didn't have those brewing chops and the competition just, it just keeps on getting stiffer and stiffer. So, you know, kind of went into an area where there really was no competition. And <laughs> on purpose? Oh, yeah. You think? You think? Oh, yeah, well, what? You think you did it on purpose? You think you were like, oh, this, this? Is, this might be a little bit easier, a uh, path of lesser resistance. It is. It is. Uh, uh, well, hey, I'm, I'm just asking the questions. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, well, you know, it has its own challenges because, you know, the thing about a brewery is every time someone comes in, you don't have to explain what beer is. You know, they, mm-hmm. they know. Uh, of course just mead (laughs) with this it's like you know you have to explain it but i guess people also carry their own set of assumptions when they come in they're tasting a beer you don't know what that person's beer experience is true um whereas with mead i mean they their assumption is based on vikings (laughs) uh and maybe they went to a ren fair or maybe the, the other story we always hear is they were in Ireland and they stayed at a castle all night. They drank mead. They got super drunk and they were hung over the next day. And, that, and th- these are tough points to start with. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> it is. So, you know, um, that, w- but we were like, well, we're making mead. That's awesome. And people are going to love it, you know, and we're very wildly enthusiastic about it. Um, you know, we're, we're hitting our margins three years later. So uh, yeah, <laughs> finally, it's all that matters. Yeah. It, it took a little bit extra time, but, um, no, I think right now with, uh, and we're seeing more and more meteries, obviously, but we go to a beer festival and, and we just kick it into gear. You know, we, we, we kick ass. Uh, are, you, it, are you the most popular girl at the, at the dance? For a the lot of times when you, when a lot you, of times we are yeah. at the beer festivals. I feel like all the brewers are like, what meads are here? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because we often, when we set up, we'll set up early, we'll have a lot of brewers hanging around and we, you know, we'll be sharing stuff, you know, and our, our, we have a little bit of a reputation. So people kind of know that we're going to bring some good stuff. Um, so it's exciting. It's really cool to be popular in the, in the brewing community itself. It's it, got to be good support. I mean, even at Wakefest, you were right next to microphone and that was awesome. microphone Chicagoland. I mean, they, they, they've yeah. Conveniently good, doing an alphabetical order. Yeah, right. You gotta love that. Yeah. So but even Kyle was like, you know, Kyle from microphones, like, you gotta try this, this, this meat he's got, you know. Yeah. Like, that like, I mean, I, I had met you before and we had talked a little bit, but like that solidified when I tried that. I was like, all right, I need to do a meat show. I need to, I need Sweet. to talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, when we first experienced that, we didn't know. We go to a beer festival once again. It's it's that. Uh, I hate to say it, a leap of faith. You don't know what's going to happen. And we did the Cider Summit this this spring, and it was the same thing. You know, uh, we're meet, we're a meadery, whatever that means, and we're coming to a cider uh, festival. You know, <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> well, you know, we knew where we were there, but we didn't know what the reception would be like. You brought it, your ciders, though, right? <laughs> no, we brought vodka. You just brought you just brought crystal meads. meth. You were like, fuck these guys. I'm not bringing my ciders. Crystal meth and coffee. There'll be plenty of cider. It's like when the, a lot of the, some of the brewers will be like, "I'm springing a pilsner. I'm done. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not bringing stouts and IPAs." Today. We brought good stuff, yeah. uh, but what was awesome was just the wild reception that we had. Um, people just really, I mean, we had a big line the entire day, and that That's just awesome. felt good. Yeah, because we go to a cider thing, we don't know what to expect. So it's getting to the point where I have less anxiety whenever I go to an event because I, I I feel that that people will try it and they'll like it, and that's a good feeling. Yeah, and you know, on top of the try, you know, if you 
get them to try it, they'll like it. But you've also built a nice reputation for yourself too, I think. And yeah. it's broadened over time. And, and other, again, like you said, the, you've got respect and appreciation for some of the brewers that are there already. So they, yeah. you know, they're probably driving people your direction too. Like, yeah, hey, they definitely do. And me, I, you might want to go by this guy. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. It's, it's a, it's good to, because we don't fit in that, any category cleanly for them to yeah. embrace us. It just means so much to me. It really does. And, you know, so many really good friends that I've, and friendships, relationships I developed through beer and, and, and beer festivals and events you know, I, I love those guys. They're they're my brothers and my sisters. You know, yeah. There's there's incredible people throughout this industry, and it looks like the meat industry is no different than you know at this point so far either. Yeah, you know, it's different though because right now you look at it like um, the breweries are so tightly knit, whereas at least at this point the meaderies are all like spread apart like stars. You know, it's it takes so much to travel between two points. You yes. know, to connect those <laughs> dots of light, whereas. With beer, I mean, it's a, it's a constellation of breweries in Chicago alone. It's wild. Even in the suburbs now, it's like you it's can crazy. go to these little pockets where you know you can hit four, five-minute drives of it within each other. You know, mm-hmm. you plot it out right. You can hit seven, eight breweries in a bottle shop in no time. You oh, know? yeah. It's like nothing. That's that's really changed. Uh, there was a time not, not too long ago where Chicago was a little bit behind in terms of the craft beer. We were bad. <laughs> but it's changed so much over the last few years. It's incredible. It really is. And, and it's spread to here, which, you know, basically we're a far-flung suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Griffith, Indiana now is going to have four breweries alone in it. Who's uh, in Griffith right now? That's we got uh, New Oberfalls, which New makes Oberfalls. some great Pilsners. We so got a guy with their shirt on yesterday. Yeah, they do some great stuff. Um, big fan of their beers. Uh, Pokros over there, they do some really fun stuff. And um, Wild Rose is over there. And then the newly lauded... Viking, Viking artisan. artisans, yeah, yeah. Berliners, right? Yeah, they're, they're following Justin. the uh, Justin, right? Yeah. I've been talking to Justin a little bit. We're trying to figure something out, maybe down the road here to hang out. But, yeah. but I had his Gatorade, blue Gatorade one. He did the fro- Gatorade Frost version yeah. of uh, one of his Berliners. I had his passion fruit, dragon fruit. I think. Yeah, yeah. that sounds familiar. They're crazy. They're, just, <laughs> they're so much fun. Like, yeah, uh, they're following a, definitely a Florida model sort of yeah, thing, which is... Jay Wakefield, Florida Weiss. Yeah, uh, the Hidden Spring. The Haterade. Yeah. yeah that, the and there's... So, I love that. And actually, one of the things, my concepts was if I did a brewery, I wanted to do a Berliner brewery. That's... And this is years ago. Talk right, about being which ahead. then may have been... Yeah, crazy. May have been a little... Yeah, now, you might you might get some, some ears might go, huh? You know, well, the, the concept Viking was... Artisan, obviously, you know, yeah, people the are con- excited for them. The concept was to just make a Berliner and then just basically be a syrup shop, you know? <laughs> we just make all of our syrups. Make like a really dope base. Yeah, and, and just then, make all your then, own syrups. I mean, even... Uh, smart. Even Hailstorm at one point, they were making their Eichbin something. It was just a straight Berlin. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And they would have like the... Uh, Polish uh, branded, you know, raspberry syrup on the side. And you could add the shot or not, you know. Yeah. So. I, I, and we were like, oh, well, let's make it family friendly. We'll just do like a club soda, you know. And then <laughs> yeah, the kids can, can have the syrup or. too. Yeah. yeah so I, you had big plans long before this. Man. That was actually quite a while ago. Uh-huh. That plan. Um, that was probably, jeez, that was a good ten years ago. <laughs> That's visionary, you know. And and actually, uh, I, you can hire me for consulting too. Done. Done. <laughs> So, so I'll look into my crystal ball. So getting back to that, those times, I mean, we, we can dial back a little bit to what we, what we were going on. Did you have uh, 
trouble when you were making those first, you know, after the vinyl batch mm-hmm. of uh, the vinyl uh, linoleum floor tasting ones? Once you started making those good ones, did you have to fight with that? Like, all right, are these people like, am I, am I getting an echo chamber here? They're just, you know, yeah. giving them free mead to try. Are they, they just yeah. telling me it's good? Like, how did you get past all that? How did you figure out, like, you know, this is good or you're just trusting your own taster? I mean, um, it's kind of a combination, you know, and obviously your ultimate homer is going to be the guy getting the free booze. And especially if it's 12, 13%, they're going to like it, you know? And if you don't like it initially, just wait a little bit, drink some, you get intoxicated and then you like it, you know, hammered drunk. Yeah. Well, I think that we were um, old enough and experienced enough in our tasting at that point where, you know, you can kind of hold something up and evaluate it based on itself. And we were doing side by sides with some of the commercial examples too. And, okay we were feeling pretty good about what we were doing. Um, and that's kind of under the, as we started thinking about this, uh, the backdrop is there's other home brewers out there working um, and there's, their stuff isn't really hitting, so we're not really comparing against that. And these are basically my contemporaries, you know, my, uh, our generation of meteries. And I do think of it as generational. Um, and we're talking about like, Garage East, for example. Coming to the Chicago market very soon here. Yeah. I, I'm distroed out here before you know it. Yeah. I know they're doing, they're floating a balloon, I think. I'm not sure to what extent that's going to translate. I know, you know, Chad's a good guy, so he's doing some good stuff. i um, be curious to see how that does in the Chicago market. Yeah. Um, but so he's working and there's others out there working. You know, actually, before I started even brewing, superstition was not even the it was maybe a concept we had heard that, Hey, maybe there's some eatery opening in Arizona. And now there's Barry white. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, what's interesting is we're, we're doing our taste and we're thinking about opening it. We're comparing it against, you know, Coonan and B nectar and, uh, redstone. And I, you know, there's wasn't a lot actually available other than those. Um, and then at the same time you have other people doing the same thing. And so it's interesting, uh, they're going through the same process as we are, and then we kind of all hit, uh, probably, I call it the third generation of meteries, <laughs> all about the same time, you know. So it's, it's yeah, so we weren't sure how that was going to turn out. Um, but, and then I guess kind of the, the additional aspect is, so we were kind of, in a, in a certain extent, we were like in a cocoon. We're like doing our own thing, we're evaluating against what's available, but we're not tasting what's coming out of the other homebrewing aspect. And that kind of hurt us. We didn't see the trends that were happening and that kind of hurt us. Even when we opened, we were a little bit behind on the times already. Uh, so you have to really keep track of what's, what's evolving. Um, so you'd equate that to like, you know, Oh, like, like maybe you just didn't pay attention and you missed pastry stouts or you missed. Yep, that style would be IPAs, a similar like, concept. Okay. But with fortunately with me, you, you know, in like your own bubble or oh, yeah. just concentrating. On we're it. like, Hey, let's make some really competent, balanced, everyday drinkable meads uh-huh. and meanwhile you have people just uh doing extreme sweet berry sort of and that's really what's getting people excited and pumped up um and you know we stuck it out and we still do we do stuff in our vein all the time mm-hmm. but um you know and then like the peanut butter jelly well i, I made that as a home brew it never made it out of my living room because me and my wife drank it uh and basically we did a peanut mead and then we did a jelly mead and we combined it cuvee uh, we thought hey this is kind of fun but th- there's nothing practical about that <laughs> <laughs> so 
enough with my crystal ball stuff. I guess maybe Go I should. Yeah, I missed the boat on that one. So, you know, right now, so it was kind of interesting. We opened up and it's like people like thought, oh, well, these guys do kind of more traditional boring me's and then they just kind of moved on. Um, whereas I think, you know, we've always done a lot of different styles. And, you know, just because we say one thing doesn't mean, you know, you're going to get a lot of different things from us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just, just the spread I got today, which was like a limited quick, you know, whatever was on draft real quick, and, yeah. you know, and it spans the globe basically, you know, it just spans the whole spectrum of what you can, what you guys do here. And even like you, you've brought up B-Nectar once or twice too, yeah. and B-Nectar, I've literally never seen anything from them but ciders, which is weird. You know, I've never, like, because yeah. a lot of the stores by us, they only carry, like, the ciders, like a uh, stupid man suit or, you know. Yeah, and that's really what they lead off with. And I think that's kind of, you know, um, there's no value judgment here at all. It's characteristic of that particular generation of, of meteries. And, you know, I, I definitely put um, New Day Meadery in with them. That's, that's, what, they, that's what they did. Um, and you know, they're stepping in. I know both of them have done a lot of still, uh, stronger, uh, meads. And I know that they're still committed to doing that. And I think you're starting to see them come in and try to hit this a little bit harder. Hmm. I think at the time when they were coming out, there just wasn't a market for it. And they, 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 they had to build that flavor up, um, that, that, uh, that taste up. So I think they tried and I think they found that, Hey, the ciders move the best. And then that's what they went with. And I, I'm curious, uh, this isn't a statement. This is more of a, qu- a question that I, I'm kicking around a lot lately is, uh, you know, when I, when you look at what's going on recently with milkshake IPA, new England style mm-hmm. with lactose, with milk sugar, with, with, uh, Berliners even having vanilla lactose, uh, with the big pastry stouts with all the adjuncts and, and sweetness, it's like Chicago seems to have a reputation for a sweet tooth for at least this for whole sure. market around. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think a lot of the nation is jumping in there too, but I don't know if we're like at the top of the heap of the sweet <laughs> tooth. So these seem to make sense. Some of these, you know, yeah. baseball bad, same old jam. You mm-hmm. know? The Midwest, I think, has a reputation for being a little bit more of a sweet tooth. I, I think that's accurate. Um, I don't know too much about the California mead scene, but I do know it's blowing up right now. Uh, and I don't know exactly how these styles would translate out there. I, 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 that would have been an interesting question for me to pose Jeff from Superstition, you know, because they're... Yeah, they've got to be pretty close, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you're right. But you look at, like, Florida, which is huge for mead, and what, what's happening down there, you know, and it's they're a driver for the, the mead styles and the mead consumption, um, no doubt. And that it, it's a little bit on the sweeter side once again. And just to back up just a general kind of comment about mead, I think it needs to be a little bit sweeter than say a wine. Um, I, th- I think it fares better that way. doesn't mean it needs to be over the top and there can be like different interpretations, but you know, I think it's a style that lends itself to a little bit of sweetness at the least. I get a lot of people, you know, early in the conversation we had, we talked about the, I, I mentioned, the, you know, the question that you get from the consumer side saying, you know, what is mead? And you say it's a honeyed wine, you know, something, if you answer them something like that, or you tell them it's, it's honey instead of grapes, uh, a lot of, a lot of the time 
their their response to that sometimes will be, "Oh, I get like I, I get what that is. That's a dessert wine. Is that was that? Would you put that in that, or would you call? Would you say no? This is completely no, different. This I would say a it's different. Wine. I mean, we do have some that we absolutely present that way. I mean, the same old jams we would describe as a dessert wine. I do describe it as a dessert wine. Uh, baseball bat for sure. Um, but other ones, you know, they're a little bit less in that category. They're more social wines, you know. Like uh, the Cabinet of Curiosity is more of a social wine. I mean, it's uh, still has some residual sugar, but not as much. Um, but, uh, you know, that it, it just kind of depends. I don't remember what we are talking about. <laughs> I don't know. It's just me questioning, you know, like the, the response that you get from consumers basically is saying, you know, like, oh, I get it. This yeah. is a dessert wine. That's, yeah. what that's what you're presenting to me right now. Yeah. And and see, I don't think that's sometimes that's Not the answer. Not always a fair assessment. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, because we look at a lot of different approaches to things. And, you know, a lot of it is how or why are you making this? And you're trying to communicate an idea, you know, and a lot of it comes from different things that might be unexpected, you know, like the Wiley Compote, which you had, which is based on a kind of a concept of cooking, you know, putting these ingredients together and seeing what's like. It's not as sweet as what you'd have with a compote, but, you know, we love the pun. So, <laughs> you know. Sometimes it's about the pun, guys. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was thrilled with the concept. I was able to make that, you know. So that one's uh, done with ginger, uh, blackberries, peaches, and then basswood honey, which has its own sort of uh, minty sort of vibe. Um, so, you know, it, it just kind of depends on what you're trying to communicate. Yes, there are some dessert styles, and they're going to be sweeter. Um, but, you know, what's funny is what people say, they'll make that judgment like, oh, that's that's too sweet, and then that's the one they'll drink, you know. So, <laughs> And then yeah. uh, we know if we want to sell stuff, honestly, we make it sweeter. Um, yeah, it's, you know... Yeah, the dirty side of things where it's like, oh, we just need to sell it. It just sounds so nefarious. <laughs> well, what it people say versus what they, what they say versus what they'll drink, there's a, there's a disparity, you know, and you see that definitely in beer. I mean, the, the, the trend is towards sweeter. And honestly, we'll have, you know, y- you pay attention to some of these social media things where you see tastings happening. And it's funny, you'll have someone drink... Uh, and I won't mention any names, a pastry stout from some place in Florida, for example, and they'll be like, oh, killer, and then they drink one of our things, which, and they're like, too sweet, you know, like, come on, man. Mm. You just had that uh, double fudge coconut. Yes, yes. there's a place in Tampa <laughs> and a place in yeah. Miami that would definitely fit into that category. But, you those know, things. You know, but it's appropriate for those styles, what you're trying to explore. You're looking at those desserty sort of styles, and so what you try to do is what's appropriate but we always try to have some balance. It's not just going to be unbridled sweetness. There's going to be acidity. There's going to be tannins with that. And that's, you know, balance has always been key. Um, so if we're doing something lighter, you should not expect it to be very sweet. And if we're doing something sweet, it's going to be probably a little heavier. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I found? And like we talked about earlier, we're touching on that kind of, uh, that thing that's attracting a lot of these people to the to, to meads early on is that is those crazy you know outlandish ideas and styles and thoughts and for me like i said i'm in that right now and i tend to lean towards i like the ones that are thicker i like yeah. a little viscosity to yeah the mouthfeel is pretty key with mm-hmm. these and you know that's um that's part of the whole equation that you look at in terms of what's your balance. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't want something that's heavy, um, that's dry. 
um, or super or not acidic at all. You want to have all these things kind of working together, basically, so you can prop up the drink. So I was kind of think about, you know, how do all these things work together? You know, mouthfeel, alcohol, acid, sweetness, tannins, you know, those sort of things. And you try to have them all be complementary, no matter what you're making. And generally, you'll be successful if you can make that balance. So those are the things I really look at when I'm making meat and kind of thinking ahead about how is this going to taste it then? you got to consider all those those factors. And with uh, with honey being such a key component in all this, like how how much education did you have going into this about honey? And how much have you just researched and oh. dove into in the last 10 years? I mean, it's it's all as a result of research. Um, my background, my education is definitely in liberal arts. Um, so my knowledge of mead really comes from what a lot of people like kind of uh, think about as mead. I mean, I, but I read the source material, you know. I was reading um, Beowulf in the uh, Old English. So I was majoring in English in college. So I'm familiar with the concept of mead hall from the more technical historic mm-hmm. perspective but in terms of really my understanding of meat i mean it comes uh, i learned everything over the last 10 years and there's a lot of research and then we have really a honey library as well yes these things exist <laughs> so we have like hundreds of honey samples um some of them you know we got uh, from different places you know and you get some weird ones you never use them but they're there just uh, to, to taste so you know Honey has its own characteristic, and here you can get kind of technical. Now, the concept is that bees, like yeast, they really don't care where they're getting their sugar from. They're going to get visit flowers, and what they're gathering is nectar. But each type of flower has different pollens, and pollen is what they carry back along with the nectar. Pollen's actually what gives it the, the honey its unique smell and flavor. Now, normally what bees are doing is going to a wide variety of flowers. So what results is what's called wildflower blossom honey. Mm-hmm. So if you're her wildflower, that's it. Then you have other places where there's more, um, they have more f- flowers in bloom of the same type, and you can get varietals. So clover honey, for example, is a common one that you'll see. But then you'll also see some more uh, esoteric, some more unusual ones. And those are kind of where you can get some really different sort of flavors. And there's a lot of different... Uh, possibilities in terms of like a honey flavor wheel. If you've ever seen one of those, they're pretty interesting. A honey flavor wheel? Oh, yeah. Those exist? You yeah. know, the first person, not to sidetrack you too much, but the first person that ever blew my mind about talking about flavors is, uh, the I think it's Finkel over at uh, uh, Forbidden Root. Forbidden okay, yeah, I love those guys. Yep. He is a flavor junkie. Yeah. Like he, they, he's got like this little lab or up the stairs at that place. And it's yeah. Like, and it, he was showing me some different honeys and like single origin. This oh, you know, yeah. reminded me of coffee beans, you know, if you oh, yeah. get deep into coffee beans. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, honey is important to, to the extent that what it can do is add complementary flavors to what you're looking. So you can actually use the wrong honey and it can basically clash with what you're trying to accomplish. So we always try to make something that's going to be more complementary with that. And sometimes you start with the honey, you know, like, Hey, let's do something that works with this honey. And then it can be a lot of fun. Um, with that said, we don't do enough, uh, as many varietals with them as we used to. And when we first started here, I'll be honest, we were exploring honey just as much as our consumers were. And it was a lot of fun. We did a ton of varietals. 
I think we did maybe like 14, 15, 20, something a lot in the first uh, maybe year and a half. But that first year and a half was really an extension of home brewing for me. I mean, I was still like exploring and playing with flavors. um, And so, you know, it was really cool. And we also at that time was deliberate because we were building up the, 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 the tasting base, the, uh, the knowledge of taste for our, our local customers, you know, and it's pretty valuable for them to be able to decipher, Hey, this is a Tupelo honey versus <laughs> this is meadow foam or this is wildflower. And we have people that can do that as a result of what we do. And, and these people then become our ambassadors. They're out there sitting out right out there drinking and telling people, Hey, come yeah. in there and try this. Yeah. You got to try this one. And then the next thing, and they're explaining it out there for us. So, you know, they become, they become our ambassadors. And that's been pretty awesome about that. Uh, we actually did mead and honey tastings. Oh, yeah? Let's see. That sounds, that sounds like a good time. Right yeah, there. it was fun. Um, we, we unfortunately don't have the time to do those. Like, we, we always have people asking about them. But um, it's just kind of a time issue. But we still have a backlog of, you know, those varietals that we did and the honeys we have. So that's kind of the answer in the honey and a lot of research and then just practical hands-on drinking. Yeah, just testing them out. That's comedy. See, I just did yeah. that turn at the end. <laughs> hey so yeah just just that's the only way to research though right you gotta you gotta try some things it is and you know we've also done that by trying the varietals of other meteries and and they do them too so you know we have some of those available and we've 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 tried those and it's it's a lot of fun you know once again you see a different result because they might have a different type of honey or there maybe there's something different with that particular harvest and then you'll get a little twist they're like oh it's tiny sweeter a little bit drier and this one's carbonated, this was it. So it's fun to see how they take those same sort of base ideas and how they, they turn it and play with it, make it their own. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too. Cause you know, I hear that sometimes from guys like, Oh yeah, that, that crop of Simcoe was, wasn't that good. This, <laughs> yeah. The next Simcoe is amazing coming yeah. out of, you know, whatever farm that is, you know? So yeah. that's something that I think kind of ties in for the beer community. It's like that the, the honey can change, you know, they can, Oh Yeah. yeah. So when you're, is there like a particular one that you like to work with usually, or is there kind of, Well, you know, it depends on kind of the mead we're working with once again. Um, We have, if you're doing one of these big berry explosions, the the honey is going to matter a little bit less because it's going to be buried under so much flavor. Okay, yeah. You're just not going to get it. Whereas Thousands of pounds of fruit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, nothing's going to survive that. So much fruit. It's just going to be a black raspberry and Concord grape explosion in your mouth. That one's crazy. Thank you. Um, But, you know, when you're looking at other things, yeah, I mean, it is important to consider that um, we are using our first two years of big black, we use raspberry blossom honey and the berries were strong enough where, you know, you definitely know they're there, but the raspberry blossom honey is actually a pretty, uh, it's a clear honey and it's, it represents itself disproportionately though. It kind of pushes into other flavors Mm. and it comes in like with a, a white pepper sort of tangy sort of flavor. Aggressive. It really is. And it it does have kind of a light sort of berryish aspect. So with that one, that was a really cool one to work with, with that particular flavor profile. And then last year, I think we did the alfalfa blossom and, and which is complimentary, 
but I do think the raspberry blossom worked out a little bit better. So I assume we'll come back to raspberry blossom, although the cost on that has just gone through the roof. Yeah. Like everything else. Jeez. I I mean, it's just jumped forward. Anything good is terribly expensive now. We use a lot of orange blossom as well. Yeah. Especially when we're looking at kind of the uh, clearer sort of uh, whiter meads. Those tend to work pretty well. Um, Abstract plain, for example, we did that uh, with orange blossom. That was also with uh, gourds, traminer, and, and riesling grapes. I never have. I can never say that gourds. Gourds. You gotta watch the gourds YouTube video. Is, it, is there one? Oh, is there yeah. a good one? Yeah, watch the YouTube. I know the, video. the hot butcher guys did a special version of their uh, prairie, Paris on the Prairie saison for us. They yeah. did the gourds. <laughs> what is it? Gourds, gourds traminer. Gourds traminer. Yeah, juice in it. Yeah. And it was just like I, people were like, "Oh, what's the difference with this?" And like, it's got wine juice <laughs> yeah that's that's <laughs> the right like answer ready to say it i'm like it's got wine juice <laughs> i think that's the right answer and we use cantaloupe in that and then uh cashmere hops so but the orange blossom becomes kind of a nice player in that it has citrus floral and vanilla notes um so we kind of think about you know how does that work with it so i was just kind of going back to that honey and we use a lot of wildflower and you know we just it, it just depends where, where are these all coming from? How, how are you? I mean, the number of ways you're gathering? Yeah, I mean, yeah they come from bees. Oh, Jesus Christ. He did it. Yeah, it's going to happen eventually. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. Um, but, the, but seriously, uh, we have different suppliers for different types of honey. And we actually work with, we do a lot of orange blossom. And we're lucky that we work with a local producer who actually has enough bees where he loads them up on a semi and takes them down uh, actually outside of Tampa for the winter. What? And, and they work in, yeah, he sets them in the middle of orange groves. So they're busy be- uh, gathering nectar from orange trees the entire winter. That's awesome. So we get orange blossom honey made. It's not, I don't know if you describe it as local, but it's made by local bees. Right, right. So we I get it though. Yeah. We they come use back. That. They come oh, back. Yeah. He harvests it right here in Northwest Indiana, and we get that from him. In fact, I got the call from him, hey, orange uh, blossoms in, going to have it up here in April. So we're close to like bringing a lot of orange blossom here. And I don't know where we're going to put it downstairs. You saw. Somewhere. You'll find a way. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully we get the keys to a new place and be able to store some honey over there. How long are you thinking before you're going to see any use out of the the new space? Um, There's work happening starting this week uh, as far as some plumbing work I know starting. Um, we're hopefully going to get our, uh, all of our plans and stuff sent off to the appropriate licensing bodies, okay. uh, the government entities, of course, but, um, you, you wouldn't know, hopefully do anything that wouldn't follow <laughs> all the rules. And you want to make sure you got your eyes dotted and T's crossed, but we're going to be sending that out here. And, you know, ideally, um, sometime this summer or, or the earlier in the summer, the better, because, um, we're gearing up to make a lot of caramel apple cider and want to be able to hit as many accounts as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this, time's going to fly. Time, you're gonna be, it does. You're going to be... Yeah. This time of year especially, we're starting into the festival season, vending season, and we get really busy fast. Where, where are we going to see you at in the, during festival season? Oh, man, we're going to be everywhere. Um, this year... the top of your head, I guess. Yeah, yeah well, we're doing a lot of uh, Chicago festivals okay. this year. So since we're distributing Chicago, picking up new accounts um, pretty much almost every week or two, um, we're doing a lot in Chicago. And I know that we're doing, um, well, this week we're doing Bloomington, 
Brewfest. Bloomington? Okay. Yeah, so we're going down to Bloomington. That's a good time. I see Chad over at Little Beaver down there. Uh, actually, Bloomington, Indiana, but maybe oh, they'll yeah, be... Oh, yeah, jeez, I'm thinking Bloomington, Illinois. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm Illinois-minded. Well, hey, My apologies. me too. I'm, I'm from right around Peoria, so... Okay, um, okay. Yeah, I love Will Beaver. They do some great stuff. I first ran into them guys at uh, the Great Taste of the Midwest, oh, not okay. this year, but the year before, and I was pretty much blown away by what they were they were doing. Yeah, I thought doing some good things. Definitely. Um, I know we're doing. Jeez, uh, you put me on the spot. Uh, yeah, I did. I screwed you up there. No, are you going to be a microphone or no? That no, smells like a beer fest. My invite got lost in the mail. Oh, Mike, what's up? No, no, there's going to be some eateries there though, so it looks yeah. like a pretty good lineup. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I know we're doing like Bug, the beer Chicago Ale. Yeah, no, we're doing beer in like a glass. So yeah, yeah, we're definitely. doing I don't know that. if they let you Indiana folk in to the, you know. <laughs> Illinois we have to come Brewers in the back Guild, door. Illinois Brewers Guild events. So. Yeah, they make us take our uh, our 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 blue jean overalls off and our straw <laughs> our straw caps. <laughs> Got to wear your bear's hat. I, do, I have a bear's hat on right now, do. don't I? Yes, you do. Well, this is a brewing hat, as you can tell. Ah, okay, it's, it's um, seen some things. It can tell some stories. So I know we're definitely doing that. I know we're doing like um, Naperville. Okay. I know we're doing Chicago Ale Fest. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna actually be. On Soldier Field, yeah. I vowed to run naked across it, so oh, we'll see Jesus how that Christ. works out. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing a, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, you know, and on our website, we actually keep that updated, so you can always oh, check okay. our website. That's good. But I can guarantee you we're going to be a, a, a lot of the big festivals in Chicago, and yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, reacquaint, her, reacquaint people with ourselves. Just, just run up on Clint, act like you've known him, act like you had your own hour conversation with him. We're doing podcast. Long Grove, actually, the Ooh, weekend. Long Grove's awesome, man. Yeah, we're yeah. doing that. Uh, we did our first anniversary there. I mean, we're going on year 10 here, but we, we did our, my wife and I did our first anniversary in Long Grove. It's good times. Yeah, that's, Great spot. I'm excited about it. So they asked for us to do it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. So we're doing a lot of... Uh, a lot of apples. A lot of apples over there. Really? Long Grove. They better watch out for me. They have a yeah. I'm, I'm going to turn them into something. They do like an apple fest every year or something too. Nice. That's in the fall, obviously, but but yeah, yeah. I have to be watching. You would be on like a little uh, wanted sign in all the little antique shops. <laughs> yes. He's coming for our apples. Well, and I'm hoping we're doing the great taste again this year. Uh, I know they've kind of changed how that works, so I don't know if it's a lottery or. Apparently, it's I need to get into that place. I had an opportunity to go last year, and I didn't go. Uh, yeah. I got I got sidetracked. My wife was like, "You're doing too many beer things. No more beer things." <laughs> That's for, the one to do, though. I hear. That's what I hear. Uh, yeah, we had a great time last year, and we had a good reception for uh, what we brought. So, well, I bet I bet you did. I'm excited about it, and we got some invites to do some, you know, pre-events. So, um, I guess I'm just waiting for that uh, confirmation we're going to be there again. So that that be that's a good one. I went there, you know, multiple times as uh, just a consumer. <clears throat> so it was really cool to go there as, you know, representing uh, the meadery. The other side of the table. Yeah, it's really different. I think that helps us, though. You know, we we kind of look at things through a totally different lens. Mm-hmm. But I assume most brewers are like that too. So yeah, and you can see. You know, it's it's. I think it's a good perspective to have. You know, it's like you've seen it from the other side, so you kind of know. Yeah. And it's got to just. First of all, it's got to be feel awesome. Like, it know? does. I remember our first beer festival, and I was like, "Wow, we made it!" <laughs> you know, this is look like, at us. Yeah, know? it was like one week after we opened. Like, wow, we've made it. We're uh-huh. at this beer festival. We two hundred people here. You know, yep, <laughs> it was just, like this. We are nailing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Um, I still got the glass from that. You know, that's that's a fine memory. But 
then you're doing something like Great Taste in the Midwest, and you're like, wow, now we've made it, you uh, know? Yeah, that's something else. That's a whole different level. Yeah, that's a cool festival. And the thing about it is, and I kind of forgot, because uh, I hadn't gone for a few years, was, you know, you're like at a beer festival, and then you cross a hill, and you're like, holy crap, there's another beer festival <laughs> going on here. And then you cross another hill, and there's, there's another beer festival. A lot of beer festivals happening here. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. They do such a good job up there, and... Uh, the organization for it is awesome. I, I, no, I'm not affiliated with them, but it was just an impressive, great experience last yeah. year. A lot of love. Yep. You're not advertising for them? No. <laughs> um, you know, we're actually talking about uh, maybe sponsoring a tent next year. Oh, uh, this go. year, rather. I guess we're already... It's behaving tent. Mr. Yeah, we thought it'd be cool. Um, you know, so we can kind of... Be some clever... Misbehaving in the Midwest. Yeah. Well, when we were talking about... It was just kind of floated an idea with uh, B Nectar about kind of co-sponsoring like a mead tent. Oh yeah, I think that'd be pretty awesome, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, put all uh, us together and then just you know have our own private festival. I think people would be leaving that tent satisfied. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would be a nice tent, especially at that level of uh, of meadery that would be there. Yeah, and, I think so. Yeah, that would be invited to something like that. Yeah, and put the real ale fest, put the real ale tent right next to us, so people can hydrate after go. they're done. You can get some firkins. And some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get some go. lower gravity beers after you're done uh-huh. with us. So yeah, that uh, it's, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, Fobab, of course, uh, this year. Um, that's going to be fun too. Fobab is always fun. You can't beat that. Yeah, so especially you get, you if you got some that. stuff on the on the docket coming up. Oh yeah, and we uh, we just did a collab with Superstition, which is pretty awesome. Oh yeah, what you guys do? Um, we did a uh, kind of a different sort of uh, thing. It was peaches and caramelized honey, which is why it, it was actually they described it as our longest collab ever because <laughs> uh, we had the caramelized honey and that just took forever, and then also almonds. Peaches and peaches, caramelized honey. Yeah, uh, there's nice. a rumor of a name, but I don't know if it's true. Oh, but okay. And then we brought. It depends on your perspective. Milk, sugar, or lactose. Oh, geez. Yep. Here we go. Unbelievable. So that's uh. So we're doing stuff with that, and you know, I know we talked about a collab with uh, Gary G's. We'll see if that happens. I mean, he's busy. We're busy. Um, I know he's going to be up here soon, so maybe I'll get a chance to chat with him about that. But we were down there also, Tampa Beer Week, for their event, and uh, we got a chance to talk to him there about it. So oh, That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, those are some high-level high level, uh, mead makers there. Yeah, um, yeah. So for, for you guys, uh, you know, I were walking through the tasting room earlier. I saw a sign. You guys do a membership program? Yeah, we do. Um, it's kind of based on the concept of a, a mug club, uh-huh. but here we have the horn club. Viking horns. Yeah, so you can drink out ass. of a horn. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think the fee's like, uh, there's like a fee, and what you do is you get like a free shirt. We get discounts it's on like drinks. 75 bucks, it said on that little that sign. Says? Hopefully it's not false advertising. Maybe the price, never mind, the price went up. It's 175. 90, 90. It's 175, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We, he raced the one on accident, sorry. Um, so, you know, you get a uh, discount on drinks and first a- access to our releases. And I know we do quarterly events, so we've been kind of crappy about it lately because we're so busy, but we're going to, we're going to be getting those things lined up. Get it back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Well, part of it's, you know, everything that we're doing, it's, everything gets complicated and we're a pretty small operation. So, you know. Yeah, what'd you say? Four, four of you guys, five of you guys all total? Five total. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we use, um, so we got, uh, of course, Jill, who's my wife, and 
she really does a lot of what's happening here. Shout out to Jill. A lot <laughs> behind the scenes. And she's also like the, uh, the springboard, the sounding board for me. Um, so, you know, sometimes I have ideas and she's like, no, that doesn't make sense. Or, and does a lot of the tastings here too. Um, so we do a lot of samples before we release stuff. So she does a lot and she has a lot of ideas about what meads we should make. And that's where the sangria mead, which is upcoming. <laughs> She's like, you got to make a sangria mead. So sangria mead's coming up. Um, then we got Ben who does a lot with production and uh, the tasting room and Jared and uh, Diso, my, my, my boy Diso, who's currently on a lead because he's doing some training not, for, <clears throat> pardon me, not, not from for us. Meads. <laughs> no, but you know, he's, he's been a big supporter for a long time. Uh, but he's, he helps out here too. And then during the summer, you know, we have a small army that helps at festivals and events. Yeah. Volunteer but, folk. Good but the people. core is pretty small mm-hmm. and, and they do everything, which is awesome. Oh yeah. So when the, the guy who's serving you on Saturday night is the guy who's also brewing Tuesday morning. Yeah. Just appreciate that. Yeah. That's well, a, then it helps like, you know, we were we talking. talked about that. Yeah. But off the mics, but yeah, we, as we were doing our tour of the, uh, yeah. oversized space you have in the basement with all the room and the, <laughs> yeah, the spaciousness, uh-huh. it's like, uh, Xanadu down there. Um, coolest thing was this tiny barrels that you got from 18th street. Those are cool. Yeah. The five, Mini five barrels. gallon barrels from uh-huh. 18th street. Yeah. They got a hold of me and asked if I wanted some. I'm like, yeah, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. No yeah. brainer. Yeah. That's easy. But do you want award winning barrels? Sure, I, I guess I'll take I some. I do. Just make sure you give me some awards, too. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> um, but we're going to age some honey in, in a couple of those barrels and probably sell some honey uh, later on this year, some bourbon nice. barrel-aged honey, which I think is pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, I think it'll be good. So it's a small team, but it's it's cool that everyone has a sense about what we're doing and and really uh, a lot of times has a say in what we're doing or how it's tasting. And, and that's just, I think that's uh, that, that's neat right now. I know it's going to change as we go along, but um, it's a good core group and, and I appreciate everything they do. So what do you, uh, what do you got coming up? What, what can people see in stores and in the, in the tasting room soon? Like sure. Yeah. Specific ones. I know we talked about the strawberry and white chocolate. Yeah. That's, that's one of the bigger ones that's coming up. And yeah, I'm thrilled after having my little sample. Yeah, it turned I'm out okay right, for yeah, you. I'm all right. Yeah, I think that fits pretty well I'm in that hole. To, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I, I, I have to say our household, between my wife and I, we've gone through, I think, six <laughs> bottles of uh, the Blackberry Vanilla one. Or nice. The Black, yeah, Blackberry and Vanilla, yeah. same old jam. So, so yeah, we're looking forward to another one here. I think the white chocolate in there is just uh, pretty spot on. It's kind of cool, man. Yeah. How, how do you impart the white chocolate? I mean, without giving away any secrets, like, but what form does it start in? Maybe it actually know. starts in a block of um, white like chocolate, an almond bark type situation. It's like that. Is yeah, that it's a, a big tub that it's just completely um, just rock solid. Oh, it's like a big tub of it. That's yes. okay. Yeah, thinking of like bars of it, basically. Like, no, no, okay. this is a big tub. And what we did, um, of course, we had to melt that, and then, then you take that, that uh, that. There's that moment where you're standing on the edge and saying, "Should I jump or shouldn't I?" And then you dump the white chocolate into a completely finished, beautiful, clean strawberry wine. Me. Oh, like, okay. Like, and you're like, me. and then it turns hazy and cloudy and you're like oh no oh you said the magic words hazy <laughs> and cloudy on a beer podcast yeah but you know you here's just, the thing you just sold all of it right there <laughs> it's it's actually crystal clear right now it has a little bit of floaty in there because that was from the there's still a little skim of white chocolate on the top just a tiny bit we had to transfer it a couple times to get that out of there 
But um, so I think that turned out well. And then we have the next baseball bat coming out with a baseball bat, which is our peanut butter jelly series. Yeah, can you hurry up with that? Because I'm waiting. I'm yeah. out. I'm out completely yeah. at my home. I think I'm gonna need some. Yeah, everyone's out. It looks like. Um, <sighs> yes, we are. We have uh, right now it's 330 gallons of that. But like Praise I told Jesus, I told you is it's probably gonna be only about 210. We got about 120 gallons of loss that will happen. Mm. Peanuts, goddamn you, peanuts! They they get in there and they absorb. Do you sell the peanuts afterwards? <laughs> Can you dry you know, those suckers out and sell them? It's a funny thing. We don't know what to do with the peanuts, you know. And they're purple peanuts when they're done, which is um, and they don't taste good. No, in case you're curious. No, no they're, they're just like like what? Like, I don't know. They just absorb alcohol and they yeah. just taste uh, boozy. Yeah, they're boozy peanuts. Purple boozy peanuts. Weird. There's something to be done Sounds with like that. A name of a beer or something. Purple That's what I was thinking. Peanuts. Or or some really crappy, you know, power punk band. There you go. Um, so power those are coming punk. up. We got the sangria mead, and that's kind of a fun one. That's done with Pinot Grigio, orange blossom honey, and then strawberry apricot or apricot, depending I on your perspective. It. People do it different every time. Yeah, apricot, have, apricot. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think it's a Midwestern. We're like we don't know what it is. Yeah. And we'll then put peach. our hands up and just go, I, I don't know. Yeah. We're just going to, and I, I, I might say it different every time I say I it. I think I do. Uh-huh. I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to gauge what you're going to say and guess what, you if know, you're an apricot or an apricot guy. It's not like scenario versus scenario or, you no. know, you kind of sound like a douchebag when you say it. Like apricot, apricot, it's not like you're, no. it's not like you're trying to be like pretentious about it. You're just yeah. not sure. That's all. Yeah. And there's no potato, potato thing. Yeah, I've been, I never say potato. It's always no, potato. It's always potato. Come on. Always potato. But apricot, apricot. Yeah. I'm there. I don't yeah. know which one it is. I don't know either. I'm with you. This so we, is, so if, if one thing we accomplished today, it's nothing when it comes to apricot and apricot. And uh, yeah. Or that it's a finer line between those two as as opposed, as opposed to just yes, potato or that's potato. A good, that's a good point. It's um, one of the finest of lines. I think so. It probably tells a lot about you if you are definitive on either side. Right? And yeah. You'd be like a really staunch person one, <laughs> like yeah. one way or another. Yeah. Like, mm, you're not open-minded at that point. And then, um, well, with that, so we have... So, so Sangria was, you said Pinot that was... Pinot Grigio. That was Jill? That was Jill's? Yeah, this is her idea. Jill's baby. So then it's me to execute, right? Right. So everything is on the line here. So what can we expect uh, for, like, body flavors? Like what you With that one, I mean, we're looking for a really integrated to a general fruitiness. Um, I imagine it's going to be fairly grapey, but then you have all these uh, stone fruit, strawberry, uh, lemon, lime, and then apple. So... And we're literally using all those ingredients in it. Yeah. And then it's going to be on the, I would say, lighter side. I think about 12% is what we looked at. And mm-hmm. it's going to be carbonated. Oh, okay. So we're going to have a little fizzy fizz yep, to it. Yeah, putting it okay. through the bright tank. I'm not sure we're going to bottle that unless people require Oh, we're going to have it on tap here. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's oh, going to be on okay. tap. That's fun. This is going to be a festival uh, thing. So oh. I, I assume we're going to be taking to a lot of festivals. Um, you got to have your festival drinks, and yeah. a sangria okay. at a beer festival is going to kill it. Uh, 100%. Yeah, I feel very confident about that. It's like, like girls' night. Like, oh, man. Mm. Well, the first time we figured out, hey, we have an upper hand at a beer festival, we were doing a local one, and we brought, because we just opened, and we were already running low, because you know, we did our first run. And I was like, huh, I'm going to make a, a mimosa. <laughs> and then... The mimosa the just destroyed everything there. Yeah, just nailed it. Yeah, everyone's just, all of a sudden we had a line, just mimosa, mimosa, mimosa. It's just, 
we're at a beer festival. We bring mimosas. So you know, people discovered like what what that tent <laughs> over there has mimosas, and that's exactly uh-huh. what it was like. I don't know what the fuck they do regularly, but, but it's mimosas. <laughs> they have mimosas here. Yeah, so we we do bring mimosas occasionally. We brought one to the um, uh, indie. Winterfest. We did that one a little differently. I think we had some different fruits in there that are tr- than our customary mimosa, but you know we killed it with that. We bring our pina colada made to beer festivals. And when's the Bellini one coming out? Yeah. Uh, we've done Bellini before. Oh, yeah, go figure. <laughs> yeah, of course uh, we've done that. Um, I don't remember what we called that one. I think that's impeachable. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Impeachable. Yeah, we released that around an election. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> about uh, how about Co- uh, Coco Man? Coco Man. That's a yeah. That was a, that's a barrel aged one, right? Yeah, that's a barrel aged toasted uh, coconut mead, um, with done with vanilla beans too. Yeah, so, did yeah. that. Yeah, that's a fun one. But I think our our basic toasted co- coconut mead was probably a little bit more popular, and I haven't made that in three years. Oh wow! Um, two years. Toasted coconut. I should make it Quite again. Delicious. Quite yeah, it's just straight say. toasted coconut flavor. No, when you toast, co- uh, this is just for me now. I don't, I'm not worried about who's listening right now. The, the toasted coconut, was, I always get these different perspectives from brewers of mm-hmm. how they how they utilize it, what styles they're utilizing it in. But like, some people like favor a full toast. Some people a light toast, dark toast. Some people mm-hmm. like to go from raw to fully toasted and integrate. Yeah, that makes sense to get some more kind of I guess like you know layers to the flavor. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to get different flavors depending on the toast level. So we tend to do kind of a combination of toast levels between yeah. light and heavy. That's what I've been hearing. Is yeah. A lot of people like to try that. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. Uh, and we toast it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Which, right. is which I hear that a lot, too. Which it's always good. shocks me. It's, a it's lot. not good. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, when you go into a, uh, a brewery or a meadery, you're, not, you're going to notice they don't have commercial ovens, folks. Yeah. yeah. So this is uh, one this pound is at a time. It's a labor deal. of love. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it takes a long time and it makes a huge mess. Uh, if you know, some of them, you can get coconut in so many different forms. And what you find is if you get the, uh, I don't remember the desiccated ones, uh, desiccated, I can't remember the term, but it's basically like a fine dust of coconut. And that actually will become airborne and start a, uh, attaching almost like magnetically charged materials to things. That's something I've heard people using. I don't like it because it's just difficult to work with. We tend to use flakes, or yeah. which is easier. It's shredded Dunlop, basically. They're like, yeah, okay. the shredded, the flakes, yeah. you know, <clears throat> kind of depending on who uh, has the best price, you know. that's that's what we, But we do toast it ourselves, and I've heard stories of people getting toasted, pre-toasted, yeah. And it causing issues if uh, probably through, I'm assuming, yeast or bacteria that's living on those um, exploding cans and whatnot. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's a fun topic, too, exploding cans. I once watched uh, when, when Roger Kazilis uh, was still with Corridor Brewing up in Chicago. I, I watched him. Love Corridor. I watched him hand, you know, you know they're set up there, you know, mm-hmm. they're stacked tanks. Watched him on a ladder hanging 50 pounds of toasted coconut, like tea bags, throughout the tank, like oh. one, at, one pound at a time, wow. just tying off sacks, hanging them in to, to, to do a stout. And I was That's crazy. Just watching him do it. And he's like, Yeah, I had to toast all these by hand, too. Oh, my pound God. At a time. 
pound at Seriously? a time. Pound at a time. That's a labor of love. I know. Yeah, that's 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 actually more of a prison sentence, you know. Made, and it made one hell of a coconut style when he was done. Yeah, so the the love went in there. But there's no substitute for that God, real fruit, man. Like whoa. Especially a toasted coconut, you know, and I think if you use some of the uh, the cheating materials, which you know you can use that if you if if it works for you if it serves a purpose, but I assume those would be um, extremely hazy when you put it in. We kind of we yeah. kind of played with some of those with our slushy machine, which I, don't know if I you saw know. your slushy machine. Right? And I was like, "What the hell are they doing here?" Nothing like a mead slushy. It buddy. sounds amazing, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take it. We Let's did a coffee. Uh, coconut slushy so that's why i kind of know about some of these materials we were playing with it and you know some of that stuff it just looks like it would just be fat so fatty yeah. and just ru- fat would just saturate the entire beverage so you, i don't think there's any just way kill around. the head just yeah. which we don't have to worry about but you know yeah yeah and your product but <clears throat> so uh what can people expect at like a tasting room night if they come on a friday or saturday I mean, what, what what type of of yeah. atmosphere are they going to get what type of selection are they going to get sure we're pretty austere in terms of our uh our presentation i mean we're not going to give you a lot of bread and circuses mm-hmm. so don't expect there to be <clears throat> some uh spanish guitar set up here <laughs> no uh also you won't get any <clears throat> uh wine and canvas experience we won't be painting mugs um there won't be like fundraisers occurring or no anything yoga. Like no, no, no yoga. <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, yoga on the bar or whatever they call it. We aren't doing that. Any yeah. of that stuff. The only yeah, the bar, the bar classes. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing any of that. Um, it's basically a place, for, and, and we don't have TV. Uh, it's a place basically where people can come How in. How dare you? I know. <laughs> We've been pretty strong about all these things. I mean, and I'm not, you know, this is basically an outlet for you to experience what we're making. You know, it's a good place to hang out with friends and, and talk about the drink. But we have a lot of people come in, bring games and hang out. Food, you can bring your own food in here. We don't serve food. So that's why I say it's somewhat austere is because it's just kind of like our, it's just a piece that we allow people to have in order to experience kind of what we're working on. To see what you're about here. Yeah, you know, and, and I assume though, as we go along and we kind of take some of the production out of the space here that... um we're going to kind of reconfigure things. So some of those things may change going forward. Um, I was, so you I might was, be able to do yoga here. I was scared. Not, when, I was scared thing. Just con- contemplating flights of mead. Ah, we do them. Like, how do you do it? And how do you parse out the ounces and the sure. I mean, uh, I get it. People drink, you know, nine ounce glasses of 14% stouts all the time. Why not? Well, we, ounce? yeah, we have people, um, and I love them. <laughs> That's my disclaimer. We have people we'll come start in. with that. Yeah, I love you, <laughs> and we love you. I promise. They come in and they'll do a flight, but they basically do eight ounces at a time. You know, bangers. What what, what are time. the glasses? What do you usually fill these up for a flight? Four ounces, two it's ounces. Two ounces. Two ounce. That's yeah. a good good place to be. Yeah. Are we eyeballing those two ounces, or no, are we, we going true two? We got actual pour. We should go true two at all times. I yeah, feel like absolutely. That's a safe way to do it here. It is. You know, if we're going into the cider, um, you know, we can be uh, yeah, can a little bit more liberal with that. But a with, five ounce pour it won't hurt anyone. Yeah, and some of this stuff is a little bit more expensive, like um, yeah. you know, the black raspberry and grape. I mean, for us to put that That's on an f- expensive one. Yeah. yeah, for us to put it on the flight, I mean, we actually do an upcharge on that because it's just the cost per ounce for us to make it is just crazy. It's wild. So you know, but um, I think it's we do four two ounce. 
14 bucks and you know a lot of people come and do like two flights if they if not experienced if they're not familiar with mead that's not bad at all right? or they're not familiar with our type of mead that's pretty commonplace and then they'll grab a bottle uh that, yeah they should and that's the way they normally do it but um yeah so that's how we do it and then i think uh meads we always have eight ounce available and four ounce if you prefer eight ounces of mead is a ton it feels, it's a it lot of mead like, yeah but you know a lot of people go right in um I, I thought, thinking from my perspective, I'm more of a four ounce sort of guy. So that's yeah. why we kind of offer it for it as an option. I'm right there in four ounce land with you, I think. That's yeah. where I need to be. Yeah. You know, some of ours is a little bit lighter. Like Cabinet Curiosity is eight ounces, no problem. I can crush that every day. Oh, but, okay. What does that sit in at? Um, that's a 12.5%. Oh, still high in the ABV, just a little bit lighter in body and, and kind of. Yeah. Okay. It's not as sweet. fill you up real. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you know, it's more like a glass of wine. So mm-hmm. uh, that mead's version of a glass of wine uh so you know that and then on the other side it depends kind of on the alcohol level for the sparkling stuff um we had kind of a break-off point around eight and a half nine percent where we switch into an eight ounce as opposed to a 13 ounce format good call (laughs) (laughs) well initially when we first opened we had, uh, and it's actually a really great mead that we made. It was probably our most fun that we started off with called Gooseberry Fool. So it was gooseberry. And here, this seems to be the theme of this. Um, <laughs> so it's gooseberry with orange blossom honey, and then we also did uh, lactose in it. And it was carbonated. How dare you? <laughs> and we were doing that, I don't remember. We were doing those in 13-ounce glasses, and that was like 12%, 12.5%. People like to party. And our, <laughs> And our pricing was all skewed, you know. It wasn't right at the time. So we, we had people, like, drink four of those. And then the next day, they're like, hey, I woke up, and I didn't know what the hell happened yeah. the day before, you know. Like, why are you telling me, man? You you decided to drink them. Four, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so uh, that's my buddy all. Kyle went to went to Hailstorm once with me, and he drank, like, five Dominatrix. I'm like, you know, that's, like, 11%, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> take it easy. Yeah, like, I had, yeah, I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. I'm glad I was driving. Well, I wasn't drinking that night. I was busy uh, working my butt off. Uh, our opening night, since once again we didn't know if we were, if we didn't know if we were going to have anyone come in the door, uh, so we didn't have a staff at the you time. You knew they were coming. No, <laughs> we didn't. Uh, we didn't. So it was just me and my wife. Basically, I'm like, we'll handle this. We'll figure it out. And then all of a sudden, we had like 150 people jammed in here. Jesus. Oh, it was crazy. And I was, What's your occupancy say? Why don't we go with that number? It's we a had blank. about it 48. Has, <laughs> it has blank written. Does it? Oh, nice. I think it has to do with something with our designation. We don't have to have an occupancy level Ooh. listed. Uh, Again, because you party. No. Don't, don't tell the city of Alpharetta, <laughs> so that's party. what's going on. But um, fortunately, I had a couple of friends that stepped in and started doing dishes, and one was a former bartender. Thank God for oh, them. That's good. Oh, my God. Because that was the first time I attended bar was our opening night. Oh, Jesus And Christ. I was just like sweating bullets, uh, too. <laughs> these people want so much. <laughs> Stop it they with have the so flights. so many questions. We have four things. I, yeah, can't, like, I can't control I'll them. I'll have a flight. Yeah, it's it was time. flight after flight, and I'm just so sweating. Like, yeah. is it okay if you have sweat in with that? Yeah. Too? Like, were you using? Did you have these little glasses? No, were, worse. No, say, what were you washing oh. over and over? Wine glasses? Oh like, yeah, we had little oh. wine glasses. They're the cutest things, but we found out they basically explode when you look at them. Oh jeez, so we had breaking, breaking glasses everywhere. 
Oh, so it was a terrible. We learned so hand. much. Do you wash them by hand? Do you guys have a dishwasher? No. no. <laughs> so do, do, everything's by hand here. Yeah. Didn't you get that vibe? I got. I got the vibe. I. Okay. I just figured I'd ask the question. You know, sometimes people shock you and they're like, "No, oh, we we have a dishwasher." Look, oh. this is our secret mobile yeah. cleaning station. <laughs> Wish we had it. Um, but no. So the the opening, uh, we had these little glasses like you know, probably about four inches tall. They had a nice little stem. Aww, we were so actually cute. putting them on our flight paddles and they just bl- blow over. Uh, and just, I think we broke, hmm. I think we broke that first weekend, like, um, I want to say two dozen of those glasses, which is just a lot. So it's a ton. <clears throat> the first thing we did the next day, the smartest thing we bought these. Yeah. Those are good glasses. These are the, these nice sturdy bottoms, mm-hmm. <laughs> heavy, Sturdy bottoms, good side with a five ounce at most. Six, yeah, I think they're ounce? five ounce or four ounce. Yeah. So, and it looks good in there, um, and they work. Looks damn good. Yeah, I mean it's not. You uh, done good, and then you get giant versions of them. Yes, uh-huh. you know I think they're called the uh, Barnabas or the, the Barnaby, Barnaby or something. Even like that. sounds classy. Yeah, I like it. It's you know for our, um, thirteen ounce for our ciders, mm-hmm. which works out well. And then we use just kind of a combo glass between red and white for our mead itself. Which is really what I'd recommend, you know, drink it like a wine. Yeah. yeah nice and easy. Yeah, take, absolutely. Take it, take it easy with it. So that's our serving. You mean I mean, you don't chug them? Yeah. Definitely saw a guy chug a bottle of, uh, with, with a baseball bat the other day on, on the interwebs. Seriously? Yeah, yes. And I know him. I know oh, him. Oh, is he's that a, uh, he's a customer? Is that the thing where they do that we chug the bottle? He's, his name's Chris. He poured it out into a uh, glass and he slugged it. Nice. <laughs> so he just went after He He, he bought. I think four to six bottles from us, and then I think he bought eight from you when he came to visit here once. Oh, nice! This was like during the blueberry release, like so, a couple like a month ago, okay, like two cool. months ago. Yeah, he's he's a big fan. Oh, that's good. He's a huge fan. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, it's funny with the peanut butter jelly ones that uh, we had a release, and it was like when we first started uh, releasing them about a year ago. And I was here, and I was talking to someone, and I was like. Smell peanut butter and jelly coming off the breath. <laughs> yeah, it was just not off-putting at all. It was the weirdest thing, and it was the first time I actually smelled it like coming like off of a person. And I just immediately fantasized or imagined like him getting pulled over by a police <laughs> officer. And like, how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches have you had, son? Only two. <laughs> Only a couple. Yeah, they were liquefied and full of booze, <laughs> but. Let's not split hairs. But straight up, I mean, it smelled like peanut butter jelly just coming off his breath. And I was like, wow, this is a thing. Oh, yeah. My wife and I watched a movie the one night, and we have a kegerator. So we had, I think we had like one of Moore's beers on at the time or something. Nice. So we had, we each had like a little 10 ounce glass of the, of uh, the beer off the keg. And then we each had uh, our faux bab tasters with the the baseball bat in it. Nice. And we just sat and watched the movie. And like every five minutes, my wife kept turning to me going, how the fuck did they do this? Like, yeah. where does this flavor come from? I, like, I don't know. I'm just drinking it. I'm with yeah. you. I'm just drinking it. I'm going to go interview this guy and figure out yeah. what he's doing over there. Oh, so that, you know, it, like I said, we kind of played with that flavor initially when I was home brewing and then um, decided, hey, we got to, this is something we should make. And I, and I felt at the time that I could make a, a, a good representation in our way. And that would be good. And then we we had our first preliminary tastings. It was the blackberry. We haven't actually made it since then. It should be coming up uh, sometime this year again. Uh, basically making a different one every two months. Um, but 
our preliminary taste, we're like, holy, <laughs> this is really good. Um, and we we're giving some samples out here and there and people were like, yeah, this is really good. And we released it and basically sold out in a day. And I was like, well, we should make that again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> hmm. We should do that again. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, it's been a learning process because the first batch was pretty small and we've been kind of increasing the batch size, but you know, with the way our system works right now, I mean, once we get to a certain point, I mean, your learning curve is over. You just make a lot of batches of it. Mm -hmm. So right now we have six basic batches of it. That's uh, 55 gallons each. Okay. So that's how we come up with 330. Delicious. And then a giant loss <laughs> yeah. for peanut sledge. Yeah. And, you know, and we're tweaking on it every time, just trying to improve the efficiencies. Um, Yield up a little bit. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's kind of the trick because ultimately that can translate back to the consumer if we improve our efficiencies. I mean, Good point. Um, yeah, it, it does. Because when we released the Cabinet of Curiosities, to mention that again, uh, our first year we did that and it was $28 a bottle for uh, seven fifty, and now it's 22 mm -hmm. and that's just because we were able to source our ingredients out better uh, we got some better suppliers um, and we're able to make it in a bigger bulk and that just knocks six bucks a bottle off which is Beautiful. pretty yeah. it's huge it's massive so trying to be conscious of that you know and, and to the extent we can pass uh savings along to our consumer you know we will Mm -hmm. It's not a, not a cheap game to be in on either side, on the consumer side or the business itself. I mean, it's no. not a cheap world to live in. No, uh, but our goal is really to be as fair in our pricing. I, I wouldn't say transparent because, you know, we don't necessarily reveal our, sort, our ingredients and those sort of things. But from our perspective within the company, I mean, I think we have a, a, a pretty good idea about how to take care of our, our customers and just pass along the, the ingredients um, and that's, you know, ultimately we'll see what they're willing to go with because you know, kind of look at our customers as patrons, you know, they're sponsoring our art. If they're willing to buy it, that means we are going to be able to make it. But if they don't buy it, we will not be able to make it. So ultimately it goes to them to, to kind of vote with their dollars mm -hmm. about what we should and what we shouldn't make. So we'll figure that out as we go along. Ultimately, that's how it should be in just about everything. You vote with your wallet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a big believer in that. Mm -hmm. So you can find all the message boards you want and complain about anything you want on the internet. But if you're still buying it, yep, <laughs> that means you're saying, yay, you stop buying it. It's not going to, exactly. It's not going to keep coming. I'm so. a strong believer. It's pretty in that. simple, right? Yeah. It is. And that actually applies to our vendors too. You know, I mean, um, there's some that we've liked doing business with and we, we, we keep paying them and maybe we buy a little bit more than we should yeah. because hey we like you yeah. and you take care of us that shit's good yeah. yeah and then there's some that's like well we don't like working with you and we stop paying you or we find out about your politics and we don't like your mm -hmm. politics because you, you don't fit what <laughs> yeah you're not fitting with us mm -hmm. and we know who you're you who you're contributing to for political action committees we don't like that mm -hmm. and we will not pay you anymore we'll pay more for someone else who's not going against our political views. Yeah. That's and I'm an anarchist, just so you know. <laughs> anarchy. Yeah, I am an anarchist. I don't know what it means, but I love it. I used to, you know, I'd write the anarchy, because I'm an older guy. I used yeah, to write the, the anarchy. The a, you get the A symbol on everything. Oh, yeah, when I was a skateboarder uh -huh. back yeah, in the dude, 80s. I was with you, man. I was, yeah. I was skating in the 90s, though. Okay. I was skating in the 90s. Nice. But definitely skateboarding all day, every day. You got to put your anarchy sign on. Sixth then grade, uh, God, high school sometime. I don't know. What you find out is that actually we're extremely 
liberal then. You believe the government could fix everything, you know, and when you're younger. And then when you get older, you're like, no, the government takes my money. You know? Takes everything. Uh, yeah. So, it, and once you become, um, I think, uh, a business owner, you really start looking at, like, what's the government doing with my money? And that's when the anarchy sets in. <laughs> so I'm, it, like, re-sparks. Oh, I'm a... I'm more radical than I've ever been. Yeah. Did you get your skateboard back out or what, man? I never put it down. Got your DCs out? Never put it down, buddy. No, I'm I'm scared. I don't have the great health insurance. So if I skate. That's a good idea. Good thought. If I fall down, something's going to break. Watch out in that new production facility. You get a little room in there. You might have a little. Yeah. You ever see uh, Go to Workforce uh, playing field? See Brando's uh, quarter pipe he built. Oh, sweet. Oh, he's got a night. They built one on a a collab day. They all got together, did a big beer. Just scavenge wood from around the neighborhood. They built a beautiful. It's a beautiful quarter pipe. They did a damn good job on it. So they got coping on it and everything. Coping and everything. It's full. It's got a a, stand. Stand on the bag, you can hang out there and sit up there. And We've taught about uh, putting a just like a little quarter pipe, just a little mini know. ramp in here, maybe. Yeah, just why a not? Full mini ramp, why not? I think so. That's what I told them. Like, you got to build the other half now and do a full mini ramp. I mean, that's oh, the move. yeah, that's the move. You always have to have the one with the uh, the, the skate in, and then you have to have the different size ones. Those are that's oh, the, the best, but it has to be from wood scavenged from some uh, construction site to make <laughs> it legit. Or if you want to be completely hipster, you can get old barnwood. <laughs> recovered. Uh, well, I can show you some, some barns right barnwoods. here. Yeah, that would be great. Now we we talked about that, and I know that um, I know that B Nectar. Uh, to give them another plug, they have uh, a skate set up in their shop. Oh, that's like, awesome. Good yeah. for them. Yeah, for them. Brad's a good guy. He does yeah. some good stuff. I always have that feeling like if I got on a board right now, I'd be fine. But then like I don't actually do it, so I bet it'd be a nightmare. I, my eight or my six year old's asking for one for Easter, so I think I'm going to get him one. Get oh. get get your six year old one you like. Uh-huh, That's what right. I found That's out. Exactly what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, because you're going to be you're going to be the one riding it. Got the little the little skate shop Jericks in in Crest Hill. We'll go check them out. Well, that's when I started skating. Actually, when I was in I was six years old. Yeah, so I'm hoping he'll. You know, I got I had like the Jack the Ripper board when I was in the in the late '80s, early oh, okay, '90s. Okay, nice. My, yeah, my brother had had one. So then then you know then I moved on. To, Junior high, we had the legit, you know, your full, yeah. real modern day skateboard. Nice. Well, I remember I was the little kid following. Uh, we had some really good skaters in our neighborhood, and I, so they're right across the street. They had a half pipe. Uh, Damn. Yeah, this is like 1977. Nice luxury right there to have yeah. one around. Oh, I ended up on that half pipe, yeah, you know, when I was a cool. little kid. Yeah. I was just a little, the little fool following these, these high schoolers with a skateboard, and you know, next thing I know, I'm. Uh, you know, sketching and stuff like yeah. that, you know, broke my arm doing that yeah. when I was a little kid. I did it with goalie pads on once. Uh, That's hockey, probably and, the right way to do it. It was very safe. Yeah, it, I did well, not. it didn't look good, but, but I got <laughs> up and I was like, I'm padded. We're all good. And then uh, 12, year la- 12 years later, you become a LARPer. So you're set. <laughs> you, get, you get into that world. That's a whole different world. No, but yeah, skating, uh, I skated a lot. And that's kind of like was my primary means of transportation, transportation that's oh it, yeah hey we're going to the city it's eight miles away i'll skate there mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> what we did oh that's great yeah so you see that sometimes in the brewing world and stuff too the guys have that same background you know i think angst, so i think to the 80s 70s 80s 90s yeah. oh yeah but now it's funny as you see the skaters uh out there and uh, the, the the new skaters and and I'm sorry. They suck. <laughs> I could skate better it's than the different. kids. It's I different don't. now. Well, they got the long boards, I guess, yeah, and that's kind of important. Yeah, that too, yeah. 
But um, those are transportation boards right there. Yeah, they Ours are. Ours were versatile. They were yeah, multifaceted. Street skating. Whatever you wanted to do, you could do it. Yeah. yeah. So Everything get, was inspired by the movie Kids or like, you know, like all, yeah. all that lifestyle. Um, yeah. All right. Now, see, I sidetracked us into skateboarding. My apologies. No, so you're let's, fine. So I'm good. What, what, I can go there with you. <laughs> where, what, let's now go. you know I'm legit. <laughs> <laughs> What do, what do you want to talk about? Anything else like that's coming up or anything you want to cover before we uh, sign off? I mean, we got two hours locked in already. We just, time oh, wow. flies when you're having Seriously. fun. Right. I mean, it's just oh. start having an actual conversation and look what happens. You just, yeah. two hours of the day goes by. Didn't really pay attention to that. No, um, no you know, uh, Valparaiso is pretty cool. Uh, the, the city has been very supportive of us. We've worked with them on, you know, our location and, I think that we fit pretty well with what's happening here. It's a really cool town. So I would recommend, I mean, obviously stuff's available in the Chicago area, but I would sure, yeah. strongly recommend coming here and checking it out. Um, uh, it's 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 a neat, uh, neat town. I wouldn't come on Mondays because half the town is closed down. Unless you're doing a podcast. Then you come on Mondays. <laughs> then you bang on the door and we don't answer. <laughs> yeah, or, you want to do that. Yeah. So, and we didn't get any deliveries today, which I expected. So that's that's a that's a bonus. Um, Nailed that one. No. So the product the production site that's the, the the facility that's the big thing. So we're pretty excited about that. We're going to be able to to fill orders. That's been the biggest issue with us over the last um, few months. Is in order for us to give one retailer something, we are not giving another retailer something. Yes. And it's. Some of the folks um, have been getting increasingly frustrated with us, um, but it's kind of under the backdrop of us. You know, like I told you, our sales have been um, uh, a lot higher out of our tasting location than we mm-hmm. expected. And so, when you increase, you know, by over thirty percent your bottle sales out of our shop, that means there's less to go out. So, hopefully, with the um, increase in production, we'll be able to get more bottles into people's hands across the state of Indiana and then into uh, Chicago. And then we're actually looking at maybe pulling the trigger on some other markets and beyond. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we've been laying the groundwork for some of those places. So we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, Florida's definitely in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio's in play. Michigan's in play. Wisconsin. We have a distributor already in Wisconsin. We just have never sent them anything. <laughs> Except You're ready two. when yeah. needed. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that we're positioned to kind of uh, put out that that's that quantity of product in addition to the quality of product. So I'm excited. I think we're going to be uh, I, um, we're we're just kind of going in the right direction. And, you know, having looked at a couple other meteries recently and I have a lot of respect for them. I, I walked away from those experiences you know, and I, I thank them really for opening the doors for me and hanging out with them for a couple of days each. Um, I walked away from this experience feeling, Hey, we're really, we're going the right direction. Yeah. You're there. You're yeah. right. You're sitting in the same headspace as the rest of them. And then maybe a little above. I mean, I haven't had any, you know, quality, not an issue with you guys. You know, that's for sure. That's maybe yeah. just getting it out to people more. You know, I think that's, that's the, the challenge. Key. Yeah. Because I think we're, you know, somehow some way we're flying below the radar a little bit and i but i think that's a for me i think i like being there there's a lot of upside there's a lot of discovery for people with us whereas i think um some other places 
you know, when you lead with hype, where else do you go? Mm-hmm. That expectation. <laughs> yeah. Now you do have some facets of your of your portfolio, like the like the jam and the in the in the baseball bat series that do now kind of have a little bit of that kind of yeah. following to them. I, I, think I think so, at least from my perspective in the suburbs of Chicago. But uh, yeah, so there are expectations for those, and I think they've been met every time and then exceeded. Good. So Good. between the Concord, the Blueberry, the Mixberry, yeah. you got Raspberry, you know, in the vault coming out here for for the baseball bat series, yeah. and then the same old Jam series, the two yeah. that we've we've seen, you know, have been killer. So thank you. Well, I th- and I think um, you know we're, the other one I'm working on, as I was showing you, is the uh, Blueberry and Maple Syrup, uh, same old Jam. And that's uh, we're when you leave, we're gonna start pressing blueberries right away. Yes. <laughs> Meaning you have another four hours of work here, buddy. Oh damn it! Yeah, you haven't and lived another until... hour and a half drive. <laughs> yes. Well, hey, welcome to my world. Oh, all right. <laughs> so you know, um, show you how to do that and uh, how you can actually get blueberry stuff stuck in your armpits. You know <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to clean everything. That up. happened. Yeah. Oh, the first time we really did that, and we were working with the press. We're like, okay, we pressed everything, great. Now we got to get the stuff out. And it was like, well, it's basically caked against an, uh, the interior of a cylinder. And so the, uh-huh. how do you get that out? And that was, you know, you're basically lowering your body down into the press um, and scooping it out more or less by hand. Reach in, dig out. That's Reach all it in, was. And, and repeat. That would give you armpit stuff. Yeah, yeah. do it. So it, you, you definitely get it into your, uh, it gets into all your crevices. So that's why I'm Blueberry dressed. Blueberry armpits. That's why I'm dressed so nice today. Yeah. Went all out. Yeah. Got my work my shirt on. My favorite Roswell shirt. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I'm going to yeah. disappear later my on. bear's hat. <laughs> yeah. bear's hat that's been through a lot. So no, uh, I'm just excited about where we are and what we're, we're doing. And I think... Um, it's going to be fun to get our drinks into more people's hands. Um, you know, there's, and we're competitive in terms of our pricing. I think that's important. So I think there's a, there's a lot of upside for us. And I'm excited to be introducing uh, what we're doing and not to, you know, forget the ciders. Our ciders are pretty awesome. So it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's cool to see, you know, what I want to do with cider is to make the cider that's actually going to cause someone to form a line for cider. Yeah. Your ciders have been mind-blowing so far, and they've been really different than, than what's available. And don't get me wrong. Some of that stuff that's out there, Two Fools and the, you know these local yeah. guys, they, they make great stuff. But it's a different it's a different almost genre of cider that I feel like you're making right now. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think so, too. And I'm not you know trying to toot my horn too you much. You can keep tooting. It's fine. You should yeah, feel good about what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think I was always good with cider, and cider is funny in that it's – uh, it's, you know, it's like beer in some ways. Um, but like I told you earlier, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a lager. There's nowhere to hide, uh, in a cider, everything's going to come out, you know, but I think with me being a mead maker and coming from that perspective, that lens, and then looking at cider, you start applying those, some of the same techniques to cider. So you're going to, really be able to get some different flavor combinations and intensities out of there that I think maybe other cider makers aren't getting. I don't think of myself as a cider maker, but we make cider. But you do make cider. Yeah. Uh, But once again, you know, we're kind of applying a different set of ideas and tools to it. And I think you get a completely different result as, as a, say a result, say two times in the one sentence, uh, as a result of that. That drives me nuts. 
<laughs> you like back myself into a Given corner. Your, your debate team just came out. You're like your your past experience. That's <laughs> yeah. not a proper way to word that. Now rhetorically, that was pretty ugly. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but uh, Mr. Springer, wherever you are, I apologize. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, my old uh, debate and speech coach for the uh, the award winning high school team. The award winning. Yep. The Clints. I actually didn't get to that. I mean, I won some com- uh, some awards when I was a uh, freshman, s- sophomore in high school. But then uh, we moved actually to the suburbs of Chicago, uh, Carroll Stream, as a matter of fact. And they okay. didn't have a speech and debate team. So I had the hanging up, which is what? that's when I took to smoking and skateboarding. There you go. So Your angst was serious then. Oh, yeah. It was suburbia, so baby. Mad. Yeah. So mad at it. I'm going to smoke cigarettes and the best and skate. And then we're going to eat donuts behind the uh, the Dunkin' Donuts, the day-old donuts. We had a very similar childhood, I feel like, even though we were apart quite a bit in you know, a few years, few years difference. Yeah. But I feel like I went through a lot of the same uh, thoughts as you did. <laughs> a lot of donuts, a lot of skateboarding, a lot of skateboarding to the donut place to yeah. do it. I actually didn't smoke then, too. That was just maybe some more legit. It's <laughs> one more street cred. Yeah, you know. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know what we're doing with that. So. Nothing. It's, it's Monday. We're going to let you get back to work. We, we got an awesome education on cider cool. or cider and, and mead making. Uh, hopefully my, uh, my listeners will, you know, that aren't quite there yet. will get there. And then people that are already into the mead scene will, will have something cool to listen to outside of, you know, the 70 other beer podcasts that I've done. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I, I think it should be different. And I, and my wife was like, well, what are you guys going to talk about? I'm like, well, this is meat. It's really going to be different than beer. We got and lots like, to talk about. Yeah. We'll probably do four hours if we wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we really, uh, we scratched the surface, but mm-hmm. there's a lot more that could be yeah. done with it. So that leaves us open for next year. That's right. We, we keep going. Re- we keep, we keep this open relationship here. Let's uh, revisit it. I think, I think one day uh, maybe, maybe we'll be cool enough to put together a package deal of, Maybe we can reach out to some of the guys from other meteries and we can have a little round table one day. Do it on, I'd love to <laughs> well, moderate something like that. Yeah, man. that'd be interesting. Yeah, I know some of the guys. I could probably uh, facilitate yeah, you for Yeah, I'm going to need you for facilitation and connects. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, there's exciting things coming, um, you know, on the, the mead horizon here for sure. Not just from us, but from other places, you know, and... And if you're really paying attention, you'll hear the uh, you'll hear the buzz about these guys. Um, you know, Pips, what Matt's doing is doing some great stuff. Well, that's the thing is 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 you know that the Pips, uh, Shrams, Garages, those these are all meteries that tend to pop up at beer festivals it, within the beer community, within the mead and the mead lovers. A lot of they, tastings. They, they give. They get the most love, and I feel like you have been in that conversation in the last, you know, since I've known about you here in the last year or so. And so that's pretty awesome to have that, right? You're in Valparaiso. It's yeah. it's, it's kind of cool. And, yeah, like I said, you're, you're invited to all the same places that they are. So, obviously, you're, you're sitting in that area, and your yeah. meats are starting to be coveted by the beer nerd and the trading community and the second market, secondary market stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, around the country because they're they're being moved around a lot. So I think you're yeah. just you get something just as good as as anyone else out there in in the USA. So, well, as long as we're doing stuff from our perspective, that's probably what's the most important to me. You know, um, you know, trying to tell a story through mead. You know, and getting your voice across and what your angle is. You know, and I think that's extremely important. And you know, I don't think we really vary too much in 
how we approach each mead um, as far as our perspective. So, you know, I think you can always tell it's our stuff. Uh, I yeah. hope you could pick it out of a lineup. Um, that's important to us. So, you know, that we have our own signatures that we do with the things, um, be it cider or whatever, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much this is great. for sitting down talking. Yeah, we can we can give these mics another workout another time too, man. This was this was cool. I mean, yeah. you obviously know how to hold a conversation, so it was very entertaining to even just hear you kind of go through it. And then even before we started recording, being able to see everything and cool. the, the the basement. I can't wait. You know, when the production facility opens, we'll have to come out and check it out for sure. Yeah, you're welcome to come out and check it out. All right, thanks, Clint. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Joe.